Hey guys, this is Caleb of Artful Fox Design. I'm a graphic designer and illustrator, so if you're in need of a podcast logo of your own or any other form of design work, get in touch. You can find me on Instagram at Artful Fox Design. To check out some of my work, visit www.artfulfoxdesign.com. If you like what you see and would like to work together, please let me know by emailing me at artfulfoxdesign at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Cheers! Hello, and welcome to episode 125 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the black hole, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello. Best wishes, warmest regards. Perfect. Perfect. I'll heart you. <laughs> and joining us for the first time on this week's episode, a constant weekly download, Mr. Caleb Crummer. Say hello, Caleb. Hello. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. On this week's episode, I have a compelling would you rather proposition. Some shows leave us and other shows may be overstaying their welcome all before diving into our flick of the week, Interstellar. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Um, we're drinking Evil Twin Brewing, even more eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus. I wish I could do a convincing bad southern accent, otherwise I would have done so. Um, this is one I wish we were doing Talladega Nights. What's up? I wish we were just doing Talladega Nights. Yeah, that would have been funny. Um, we're doing, this is one pint, it's a milk stout. I'm very disappointed with the beer named this, that there is no story for me to read. I know, right? I guess it's all in the name. Yeah, but still... <laughs> But unfortunately, uh, with the way the world is right now, Caleb couldn't get the same beer. So what are, you, what are you drinking? So what I did is I live 15 minutes from Sloop Brewing. Um, haven't had a bad beer from them, and they're doing delivery during this crazy time. So yeah. I got my hands on a Sloop Brewing Super Soft New England IPA. Nice. Now nice I did, It's slightly topical. I did choose it because there are times in this movie when I feel super soft. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, I'm not, and I don't mean... Nope, get your mind out of the gutter, Al. I was going to say, like, flaccid or... <laughs> it depends on the scene. Well, it, it depends on the scene. No, but there, it, it, it's a powerful movie at times, I've found. That's why I like it. So, One might say it has a certain turns, gravity. Yeah, and it's... You can see <laughs> Different space the, movie. Uh, I know none of the viewers can see this, but just for you guys, it's got a little teddy bear right on it. No, this is live. Perfect. We, we always we appreciate the can art on the show, uh, even if the listeners can't see uh, I, I've I've recently been enjoying some Sloop beers. They're they're quite nice. Things that I hope don't go away. Beer delivery. Yeah. It's funny. I didn't even know that you knew about Sloop because like it's not that big of a brewery, and it is right over here. So yeah, I uh, the first time I saw it was on a draft menu at a some barbecue place that I went to in Long Island, and then all of a sudden oh, it wow. started showing up in the Whole Foods over here. So I was like, all right. I'm guessing you've probably sneakily gone to the tap room there multiple times without me, even though it's right around the corner. No, I have not. I have not done that. I only did that to you the one time. Oh, to, I, to be fair, I, I'm pretty sure I was still drunk from the entire weekend before. <laughs> yeah, Caleb, we went up for uh, we went upstate for Anthony's bachelor party, which we've talked about a few times on the show. Oh, yeah, and yep. Um, we were coming back in separate cars. Me and Dominic were in a car. He was in a car with his uh, brother-in-law and cousin-in-law. And they stopped at Newburgh Brewing 
and didn't invite me and Dominic. I was like, you realize that we live 15 minutes away and that we left nice. from the same place, right? It was it nice. was on a whim. It was on a whim. We were in Hitler's house. Oh my god. <laughs> we were literally in Hitler's house. I, I have heard that. <laughs> Al, shall we get this one to taste? Uh, sure. Sorry, I was doing Cheers. a little editing here. That's, Cheers. Ed, edit, edit live? <laughs> editing the audio? Dangerous well, you game were, you're playing, so. You were, like, saving and recording. Was, was, was that what was going on? Were you back to the thing where it was uploading live and, like, chewing up all your bandwidth? No, it was just in the wrong folder. And yes. I had, like, there were, like, five other recordings in there. Not six, which is concerning, because there's always two recording at the same time. So I must have lost something somewhere. <laughs> no, nah, I was building out the, uh, the image for... Uh, the spin tune post of this episode. Beautiful. This is this is pretty good. Uh, I vaguely remember it tasting better, but it's also it's very old at this point. Oh, so who's got the old beer this time? I mean, <laughs> both of us. I mean, it's it's very old because it's been in your fridge for a long time too. <laughs> so it's Al's. This fault. is a this is Erroneous. a back corner beer. Erroneous <laughs> of both accounts. <laughs> so a little stale, but 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 decent. The uh, name is better than the beer. Let's we'll put that out there. That's how I feel about it. It's good. Uh, the name is Grade A. Um, <laughs> it's very dry. Um, drier than most stouts, I guess, that I've had. And it's a milk stout, and I don't get any of like that lactose, milk, like yeah. aftertaste, mouthfeel stuff, which is actually a plus for me. I actually not yeah, you're not a fan of that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nothing to write home about, Just but I would give it to people just because of the name. No, it's fine. Great name. Not great, not terrible. Um, so Kyle, a, a minus. A- <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe, so, maybe we'll go B if we're going to go letters. <laughs> okay. So, how, how are you doing? Uh, all right. That, so I'm. Uh, let me. I'm going to do a little. I'm going to do a little pop oh. for you guys here. Ah. Get, do you remember when we used this. to do this live every episode? I do. It was great, except for all nice. the times that you uh, exploded yeah. beer all over yourself. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start off with how generous this brewery is. Every one of these beers is literally filled to the point where you can't open it without yep. spilling it all over the place, no matter what you do. So that's a, I've that's noticed a, that. That's a plus. I thought that's that was plus. just like the one, the first six pack that I got, and then the next two were doing the same thing. <laughs> I, yep, like, I, don't, I don't know what kind of science <laughs> is going on there, but they have found a way to maximize <laughs> the inside of these cans. More beer! <laughs> Yeah, it six, comes 16 pints, ounce cans. Even typically. when it doesn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was so like, most of these 16 ounce cans come with like 15.5 ounces of beer, but but the sloop ones come with 16.5 ounces of beer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, this beer, uh, its description reads uh, no boil hops and a finish that lands on the palate like a ton of feathers. An aroma of pungent tropical fruit and citrus with flavor notes of red grapefruit, ripe papaya, and a hint of black tea crafted to crush. And it's sitting at 6% ABV. Nice. Oh, that sounds delightful. You know, I don't think it, I'd be able to pick papaya out of the flavor profile of beer. Papaya. I, I just wouldn't be able to. I can't say I can. Um, to be honest with you, I, I, I could have lied and ate, no one would have known. But <laughs> I ate a papaya for the first time like a month ago, and I didn't taste it. I don't know. It, it's very mild. <laughs> yeah. So it's a um, so weird fruit. I guess, I mean, Al, uh, you would know more than me. With the no boil hops, does that keep the IBU lower? Yes. In okay. order to extract uh, alpha acid units, AAUs, which is how they rate hops, in, in order to extract that, it needs to be boiled. Um, so typically, the way hops, they're categorized as like three different things like bittering hops, aroma hops, like 
I guess you can kind of call like flavor, like flavoring hops, whatever. Um, the bittering hops are the ones that go in at the beginning of the boil because those contribute almost zero flavor and aroma and only bittering units. Um, and the ones put in right at the end of the boil give much more of the flavor and aroma. Um, and then like if you put them in post-boil or dry hop, that's exclusively aroma. Hmm. I, 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 I completely like... I, I lost you. What that guy there's said. There's a lot going on there, but what he it said sounded, it sounded thing, impressive. And it really yeah. works like that. <laughs> it's it sounds very, imp- very impressive. But I, I honestly, I really thought you were going to test me at some point because when you said, fl- I thought you were going to be like, there's flavoring hops, <laughs> something other hops, hippity hops. Uh, I thought you were just going to keep going to make sure that we're listening. To hop. How's that go? That's all. Was that rap, <laughs> rapper's delight or whatever? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so, did so, you yeah, guys no, like actually not hear me, or no, did you no, just no, couldn't follow? No, 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 we 100 no, heard we, you. We We're you. just like, that's the smart guy with brewing beer. We're just like, yep, yep. I don't know. The different hops heard. do different things. I got it. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard, but I kind of know a lot about brewing beer. You might say I even do it quite often. Like you so, sent me pictures of a of a sheet in a notebook, and I got pretty excited. Perfect segue <laughs> for for a shameless plug. <laughs> exactly. yeah, natural. Oh, we talk about Alzales all the time here. We do Alzales <laughs> occasionally. Caleb, I would we have actually, brought you the most recent Alzales, but I haven't been across the river in a bit. So, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Alzales I actually does delivery. We uh, <laughs> nice. We uh, we were playing Warzone the other day, and I was enjoying a brown owl. A brown owl. <laughs> a brown owl. <laughs> no, no, uh, we'll have to. Uh, we're not in the summer yet. I'm not. We're gonna have to get that one approved first. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of video games, I've got some questions. So. Caleb mentioned before the show started about something about playing Animal Crossing. And it's a game that's, you know, there's been multiple Animal Crossings. People are all the rage when it comes out. I I just, I feel like I need somebody to explain to me why I should be interested in it. Because it, just from the outside, it does not sound like something that I want to be doing with my time. Okay. So, um, all right. So let me start by saying the the only reason I really knew what it was was because on GameCube they released one during that time when Nintendo was just hitting them out of the park on GameCube, and I fell into that during a time when I had nothing better to be doing in my life than playing <laughs> video games. Fair enough. So that was right around I want to say two thousand ish. So that was <laughs> yesterday. No. <laughs> about uh, give or take three weeks ago uh, when i got laid off <laughs> when i got my first gamecube <laughs> no uh, so we were, um, we were so, gonna mention that on the show <laughs> oh it's all good hey i'm one of three million people or whatever the number is three million going it's up 17 million <laughs> Oof. okay sorry guys i, I think i left some of you out the, the, the jobless report today came out for the past week and it was like six and a half million it was like a million over what they expected well oh, hey guys we'll get through this you'll yeah. be okay so anyway um yeah, so I played the original. Uh, so this new one was um, something that I saw, and I was like, you know what? Like, I got a little of that nostalgia tingle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my girlfriend, Kirsty, uh, she doesn't play video games. Um, she grew up with four brothers, so she was around them plenty. Um, I'm sorry, three brothers. I don't know where the fourth one came from. Uh, <laughs> we don't talk about him. <laughs> he is the brother we do not speak of. Um so she never really plays video games and i was like you know what like just you should just get into a game dabble whatever well the quarantine hit and she started going a little nuts because she's like a she's like a constantly go 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 person so i'm like you know what there's this game 
I think it'd be your pace. It's it's dabbles in a bunch of things that you would like. Why don't you just try it out? I'll buy it on the Switch right now. So I digital downloaded it, got her on, and literally within the first 48 hours, she played 48 hours of Animal Crossing. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, that being said, if it gets the girlfriend approval, if you like that type of game, you will really enjoy it. So basically, it's a little bit of Minecraft, a little bit of The Sims, tied up in that colorful, forget your woes in life Nintendo package. Um mm. So I highly recommend it to anyone that enjoys meticulous gathering of goods, tchotchkes, arranging your digital home... And those those are the things that I don't get though. That's what that's what. <laughs> so they do not get this. Game. <laughs> All right, I, I I like to I don't know I gather tchotchkes around my house, but I don't know. <laughs> Did you? Say I don't know why I'd also be doing it on my Nintendo yeah. Switch. I feel like well, the Nintendo Switch itself is a tchotchke that I have gathered. <laughs> oh, well, hey that's, hey yeah. hey! It's not just a tchotchke. We've played many hours of that ridiculous cooking game that I never. Oh remember. my god! Oh my god! Uncooked. Yes. Or overcooked. 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 Undercooked. Uh, undercooked. Undercooked is how the steaks come out. Yes. Uh, <laughs> overcooked is the brilliant. game. It's a good that game. That's, that's there's nothing like me and Anthony alone in his house playing overcooked, undercooked <coughs> for like six hours. We're too drunk. Neither of us is fully awake. And yet we're bread. somehow still... I need that bread! <laughs> yes. Slice it! So the oven's on fire! The oven's on fire! No, no, I got it already. It's fine. <laughs> it's so Did I just so die? Good. <laughs> And you know they had a second one. You know they had undercooked or undercooked, well, right? Two. Overcooked. Still undercooked. Oh. Overcooked too. I'm sorry. I'm I'm undercooked. Overcooked too. It's just overcooked burnt now. Is is what? That's the one that we were playing. I think it was the second one. It was. It, you're right though. That's good that, stuff. That, so that anyway, you know, long, long story short, um, it is not for everyone. And if but is and there if you, an objective? Yeah, basically, well, so the, what you do is uh, in the Minecraft or any game that's based around cra- a crafting system, you're starting mm-hmm. out with nothing. So the goal is okay. to gain something over and over again until you have everything uh, to a certain extent, or at least you have more and you have the better versions of things. So it feeds into anyone who enjoys a game like that, where, you know, okay. eventually you start with nothing and now you have a sprawling town and, and a mansion. It's a real rags to riches story. <laughs> yeah. Started at the bottom, I, now we're here. Apo- <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued enough to like to buy it and try it, but I, I just feel like within a few minutes of it, I'd be like, I don't want to do this. Classic buy and try. Classic Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It, so it's, it's, it's one of the best of its kind in that in that genre you know it's it's a little less uh i think it's a little less overwhelming than something like the sims because it's based around your individual character you're not you're not in control of a a group of people it's just you so it Mm -hmm. takes a little bit of that overwhelmingness away and it's easy for people like my girlfriend's a perfect example It, it has it's easy to get into it easy to learn the controls and it's you know just Colorful Nintendo game. So now, is it if you're looking for that? Is it totally like single, or is it is there an online component to it? Or so this one is Animal Crossing New Horizons. I don't know. I've missed about three or four of the releases in the franchise. Um, I don't know if the other ones tied in the online play. 
but this one does and the whole concept is islands so instead of just a normal town you you land on an island and then the whole idea is you can um, enable the online multiplayer you can invite friends privately as you would to a skype conference or something like that with a with a special code or you can randomly travel to um, randomly generated islands that are completely ai based and find new items and plants that you can then bring back to your island and plant them and continue forward kind of moving on with the game yeah. now is there you, a, is there a viking like raid component to this game <laughs> i'm hoping for a what i really want to know patch. is can i wreck your island <laughs> can i build myself a fleet of boats i'm, I'm kind of myself I'm commandant or admiral like rear admiral and like come in swoop in you know the the the, the, the dramatic music starts playing and you see reavers coming in with like torches and axes and we will now take your things by force and bring them back including your women and children back to our island uh, well, as far as i know this game is rated e for everyone so you can write nintendo but i think that might change <laughs> yes i want to take everyone is what else i was gonna say i don't know if you know this but the vikings rarely spared anyone it, it was everyone who was involved is there a rape and pillage mode in Animal Crossing <laughs> New Horizons? Rated oh. E for rape and pillage. <laughs> Rated E for excessive Jeez. violence. <laughs> oh man! Um, see now, now I'm like, oh, I kind of want to play, like, see what this ridiculous game is about. But we made that part up, <laughs> so I'll be back. <laughs> it's all right. I'm gonna pitch them this as a DLC. If you want to well, spend the extra ten dollars, you can have the rape and pillage mode. All right, easy, Al. We all know. Listen, Nintendo. We know you listen to this to our podcast, <laughs> so uh, we just want to let you know. Disclaimer: that is not a game mode currently, but we're not saying it's not in the works. <laughs> Listen, we all know that Nintendo is one of our 12 subscribers. I'm just going to I want to go to your island and just move all your stuff around. See, now that, that would happens. drive me crazy. All right. That that happens and people lose their Yeah. I'd do lose you it. bleep this or is No, that's fine. It's fine. I cl- I clicked the this show is explicit button. It's fine. Perfect. It's got First a little E next to it. You knew how many fucks were dropped in this show. You <laughs> <laughs> a multitude oh of fucks were given. <laughs> No, no right, fucks so were given, but many something, provided. Something new. Something new. Something something good. Uh, no. Uh, so, where the, the spin tune is building up a bit. Um, there's some new stuff in the works. It's been in the works for a while. There's a lot coming. One of the things that I want to do is for all the people that are involved in some way, shape, or form, whether regularly or guest appearances, um, I want to go through the list of favorites. doesn't have to be... You don't have to think too hard on it. You can give me the first thing that comes to mind. Because I feel like you could learn a lot about somebody by the movie, artist, game, book, and TV show they give you. I'm, 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 I really appreciate how much high fidelity stuck with you. Okay, so I'm gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, you're, I mean, you're right. We're gonna go through this right now. I'm gonna give you mine. You're putting me on the spot. I, I, exactly. That's I, that's the point. You could change it later because you're eventually you'll have a profile on our on our system, and if you need to update it as time goes on, it, you well, can update that, it. But that right all depends moment, on what I answer, right? Uh, I will lock certain things. <laughs> All right. So, see, I thought he meant me because I gave him high fidelity also as something to watch when he was caught up in the flu a couple months mm. ago, and Anthony took up to it and watched it in like a weekend or something like that. And- it was very, it was very quick. 
It was, it was, it was yeah. disgusting. <laughs> that that was one of their core tenets, and I think that carried over from the book and from the movie, right? Like, um, you aren't what you do, it's what you consume or whatever. Exactly. exactly. Uh, it, that, that was the... <laughs> you gave me that assignment uh, when I was halfway through Veep, and then the next week I was done with Veep, done with High Fidelity, and a season into The Sopranos. So, it's <laughs> time is moving. I think like, you watched something else, too, that I did. I did. I finished... So I, well, I caught up on devs in a day. Uh, so there was that alright so going through the list I'm going to give you mine uh, and I said artist and you could you can give me whatever you want you can give me an author you can give me a musician you can give me a, like a you know visual artist whatever you want I just I was, said artist I was going to say is it like a musical artist or like no, it's, it's just it's, it's open to your inter- <laughs> to your interpretation so I for mine a movie The Dark Knight it's no surprise you've listened to the show you know that's already the answer musical artist I put Counting Crows game Halo book Armada and TV show Friends okay those are my picks in the moment I'm gonna give Caleb a minute to think about this I'm gonna go to Al <laughs> alright so my brain move, is movie you're gonna put me on the spot despite my very well known on this show triumvirate of favorite movies mm-hmm. um let's go with Cloud Atlas okay um TV show, I'm going to go with The Americans. Mm, I had a feeling you were going to go there. I was, um, yeah, I, 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 could, I was tossed up whether you were going to say that or Hannibal. I, those are the two that flashed before my eyes very quickly. <laughs> Although Scrubs would have been up there too, but I mm. trained more towards drama anyway. So, um, What were the other ones? Artist? Artist, game, book. Artist, game, book. Fuck. Book's going to take me a minute to figure out because I've read... read Way too many novels, as as I've told you before. Um, <laughs> artist, let's go with Coed and Cambria. It's an easy answer. Mm-hmm. Um, book, I know this is riveting to listen to. But, That's fine. Uh, I, we we know what your game is. Why don't you go there? Uh, game. Well, game is going to be the Mass Effect trilogy. Um, no, it's just one. You can only pick one. Fuck Mass Effect two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> putting Asshole. them, uh, putting them under the. Delight. The least compelling Sophie's choice. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, book? Gun to your head, book. Yeah, I know. I'm going to go really? with <laughs> the, the sum know. of all fears. Okay. All right. All right. All right, Caleb. Okay. What so, do you got for me? All right. So I have a double here because I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. So I have a book. Oh, you want to do book first? Or yeah, what whatever you, you want. You, whatever say, you want to go first. You say it. You say All right, it. I'll, I'll yeah. say it. Book. Okay, book is uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Nice. Perfect. TV show. TV show. Game of Thrones, uh, a good season. So Game it's of Thrones okay. seasons one through four. You don't have to. De- you don't have to defend yeah. the stuff you like, and it, Game it, it can have caveats. It's fine. Yeah, Game, Game of, of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Uh, yes. Okay. Season one Game. through four or five. <laughs> Game. Uh, Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Beautiful. Good choice. Artist. Oh, this is a tough one. A sting. Oh, okay. And I thought, I thought you were going to go with Colin Hay. Oh, that would have... I I do like him. I actually saw him live two years ago. <laughs> I know. Ago. That's why I said it. <laughs> He's awesome, by the way. Uh, and if anyone listening is doesn't know off the top of their he head... He comes from the land down under. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Vegemite sandwich. <laughs> uh yeah and then okay so uh where am i at here movie movie so i'm gonna have to go lord of the rings fellowship at the ring by peter jackson again Ooh, okay oh, so wow same for book that's what you were saying that's your double up your movie yeah that's yeah, my double up that's pretty uh, that's 
that speaks a lot to the uh, you really liked the source material and you appreciated the translation to film that's that's solid that's solid all right well now this brings me another question Uh, how do you generally feel about movie adaptations of books me do you have a problem with them yeah you personally um i think for the most part there are they are not successful Okay. For the most part, I think that the reason why I chose The Lord of the Rings is because that stands out above almost any adaption I've ever seen. Mm. Um, I unfortunately don't. I'm one of those people that does not read as much as they would like because I reading tends to be like a, it's like a little therapeutic for me to the point where I'll read like three four pages and I'll just knock out. Like oh yeah, it's like a, it's like a nighttime thing. So mm-hmm. so it it <laughs> takes me forever to get through books. <laughs> I would, but, <laughs> yeah. But I did read all the Lord of the Rings novels and The Hobbit, and um, having heard the background of a lot of films that are made, knowing that they are adaptions, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't know. I don't find that those movies are generally my favorite movies, even though I know a lot of them are actually adapted from literature. Sure, but. sure. Oh, cool, cool. So I, I do. I think there's some credence to this whole thing of like, what do people consume? Because I feel like. I've got, I've, I, from that, I can get a, a good sense of your tastes. It really, it really does. It, it's interesting. We're going to do this with everybody that we come across on the show. All right, Al? Hold mm-hmm. me to it. Uh, and then the next episode that we have a guest that hasn't been on and I forget see, to do it, we can go, damn it! They all, get a, they all get a heads up, and I was on the spot. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, You're but also first. think about all the other people who were deprived of this opportunity. That's true. It's true. That's true. We still don't have this. We don't have this. These answers one for one of our founding members, and I assure you that those answers will drive me batshit crazy. What, Brian? You mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get them out there. We'll get them out there. All right. What have you been doing with yourself in these times? So Al and I have been watching a lot. Well, I've been watching a lot of stuff. Al's been watching me catch up on these things. It seems like he's he's slowing down on account of his time. But uh, anything, anything new that you've that you've done? I I, I went from working like twenty or thirty hours a week to working sixty hours a week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, have you watched anything new? Picked up any new hobbies? What are you working? Um, so I have been watching some stuff. Uh, so devs, yes, Um, and devs, yes, with a thumbs up. (laughs) Um, And uh, devs, Dave, the little 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 dicky. Uh, show that's on FX as well. Okay. Uh, Lil Dicky, he's like, um, he's basically like a, he, he falls in the genre of like comedic rap. Okay. And he actually built his career by going like door to door to rich people's houses in like Calabasas and begging them to let him shoot music videos in front of their mansions. And <laughs> Tremendous. He's, <laughs> he's a genius. He's very well smoke, spoken, super smart. And he very really well can. spoken? He's, yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> that too uh <laughs> so um yeah so he he basically built his way up became a full-fledged rapper on the scene he's uh you know reached out linked up and made a lot of contacts and done a lot of like featured work with other big big name artists mm. so he got a tv show and i guess and i'm not sure if he wrote it himself i'd have to look into it don't hold me to any of that but it's on fx um it's basically curb your enthusiasm because he is he's actually jewish um it's curb your enthusiasm but i'm not sure what that taking... had to do with anything <laughs> well larry david is jewish am i correct yeah but that yeah. doesn't really like Oh, well, there's a certain humor and a certain. Like, oh, okay. Tone, I was like, it doesn't the inform show. the existence of Curb. 
<laughs> like it ends up becoming a frequent topic, but like I'm like well, I'm not sure what the connection well, point is. Imagine, imagine de-aging uh, Larry David by 40 years and, and putting him, him a white on rapper. the hip. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like imagine some you know interstellar level stuff happened and he went through the he went through a black hole and he appeared on the rap scene now. I cannot when he picture was Larry 26. as a rapper. <laughs> so anyway, it's very interesting. I would say give it a watch. If you don't like, you don't like it, but give it the uh first and second episode were strong, third took a dip and then it popped back up. Um okay. Clever, first, it's one season so far? Yeah, it's in the middle of the first season. It's not oh, okay. done yet. So, cool, cool, cool. But yeah, so Devs, uh, Dave, and uh, Westworld Season 3. How's that, show? Because I was super, super hooked from the first episode, one of the best pilots in television history, yes. and then had to rewatch it three times because I was trying to get Kim into it, and she fell asleep once, and then we watched it again, and she fell asleep <laughs> on the second, and then I just never went back to it. <laughs> Is yeah. it worth my time? Uh, Al, do you have, did you, are you current or do you, did you watch it? No. So it's funny cause I was super excited for that show when it first came out and I watched it when it debuted, agreed with Anthony completely. One of the best pilots I've ever seen. Like just even from just the production was so high, like higher than like game of Thrones until it reached like the fourth season. Um, and I loved the first season. And for whatever, I think there was a bit of a hiatus. Like, it wasn't a, a year till the second season. It was, like, I want to say something more like 18 months till the second season came out. And for whatever reason, no matter how much I loved the first season, I never even watched the first episode of the second season. I you just, just never went this, back to it. I had this feeling that I don't know why I was, like, intimidated to go in or I was, like, I had this, like, foreboding going into it because, like... By all rights, I should have been, like, the person who was, like, sitting, like, oh my god, like, Westworld's coming back. I really, like, with no restraint, loved the first season. And it's funny, because I didn't watch the second season, and, like, I was like, oh, after a couple of weeks it was in, I was like, maybe I'll finally catch up and watch, like, the first three or four episodes or whatever. Yeah. And I saw everyone complaining about it. I was like, man, maybe there was, like, something to it that I didn't decide to pick it up, because I know people generally seem to kind of hate the second season and mm. i've heard that it's struggling from a lot of the same issues in the third season so so uh there is um a little bit of a link to our uh, episode tonight with uh there being a nolan involved mm. in this show that's right um, his brother does it right is it brother yeah. their brother yeah, jonathan okay. jonathan does it yeah well, I have, on that topic, you guys might be able to answer this because I've been wondering and I have not Googled it because I wanted to ask one of you to see if you knew. <laughs> Why does Christopher sound like a Brit boy and his brother is just totally normal New York Johnny? What's I, I don't know that I've ever heard his brother's voice. Yeah, I've never no. heard him speak well, either. He's not has absolutely zero accent. <laughs> you know, like these two just have nor, the same last name. They're not is this a Freaky nor, Friday situation? <laughs> nor does he only and strictly wear blazers with button-down shirts underneath them. Hmm. <laughs> Is this now what, I have to, wait, I have to listen Caleb, to an interview because that's going to really mess with my head. I was like, Caleb, do you remember the Stoneburners in, in our high school? Do you remember how one of them had no accent the other one had a fake British accent? <laughs> Is this a thing? Um, it, it sure is. <laughs> It it wasn't like I mean we're laughing right now. It wasn't one of those accident situations, was it? Oh, no, God. absolutely not. All right, all right. It was one of those 
someone was entering high school and decided to try out an accent <laughs> and then just stuck with it for four years situations. Wow. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah, really committing uh, to the bit. That's very Daniel uh, yeah, Day-Lewis. Yeah, I don't... I don't know what that was about, actually. That's actually troubling me more than the Nolan situation. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, you're just remembering now, like, it's been a decade because since I knew, you even considered because, their existence. Because I knew those people. There's no proof, I know that, the you, Nolans, there's no proof that the Nolans are real. Do you know these people now that you went to no, school? I, I, Neither I of don't. us have seen them in ten years. Because if you could them. track them down and call them, and if, if it's flipped... <laughs> How much would that be like? <laughs> no, that'd be some annihilation <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, Westworld. Back to Westworld. Um, okay. So, I, as you, had the same exact experience. Um, I watched uh, about four or five episodes of the first season and just fell off. Then. Um, probably sick. I don't know. I heard about rumblings of season two and decided, okay, let's give this a watch. So me and my girlfriend watched season one and we actually stuck with it, even though we felt that fatigue at like around the same episode, mm. we pushed through and then it started to sink its hooks into us. So we held on for the first season. We watched the second season. Um, I will say it does suffer from some Nolanitis, like uh, it's a lot, and sometimes you feel like, is this a lot for being the sake of a lot and covering up the twist of the show, or is this a lot mm. because these people are really on to something and this is worth my time? And that's where I think the issue comes into play. It feels that may like, be. Okay, I, would say, from what I've, I would say, from what I've heard about season two and three, especially season two, it feels like. Jonathan took all of the worst impulses of Christopher Nolan and J.J. Abrams and Damon Lindelof with the mystery box shit and combined it into one unwatchable show. Uh, I, I will say that it seems I'm kind of wondering if Jonathan has uh, it really goes out there and Chris maybe reigns him in a bit when they're working together. I have a feeling that that might be more of the situation if they're if they're working separately and the results are very different. Maybe they just complement each other really well. I think you're on the money with that because I feel like mm. he needs, I feel like at times he probably, you know, well, it's nothing to say that he doesn't seek out Chris's advice on certain things that happen, you know, sure. like when he's in a rut. Um, but I, I do feel like that's probably an accurate mm. assumption. I, I but, feel like it makes no sense for me not to go back to it. But for some reason, I haven't been like, I have to watch it right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I would say I would say do it. Um, watch it. It's. It's not like you'll come away with from it with nothing, but it does get just a little like, whoa, this is really a lot going on here, and I really hope it pays off. And it doesn't always pay off. It doesn't mm. always strike when it needs to strike, but it's enjoyable. And this season, if you like Breaking Bad and you like Aaron Paul, he is in this season. So nice. uh, there's a little little something. I will say, it, I, I saw the trailers. Playing, uh, it's Jesse again. Is he, is he just playing Jesse again, again? <laughs> What I will say is no. I I'll say. <laughs> so here's the th here's the thing. So I, I will say. We're not forcing you to say. <laughs> <laughs> they are pointing guns at their webcams. That's when we um, when, when we edit it again and we cut his voice in. No. <laughs> So I, I I have been programmed to say that yes, Aaron Paul can only act one character. He is very one dimensional. <laughs> no, I, what I'll say is I think he's giving a really good and uh, a really good 
performance. I think that his care. I think the problem with Aaron Paul is he chooses characters that are Jesse Pinkman. Not so much that he's not capable of playing other characters. I like to think he is. However, I have to say, of his entire filmography, I have seen uh, Breaking Bad and El Camino. <laughs> so I'm not a good judge on this. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like he has two roles, and it's Jesse and it's Todd Chavez. So, <laughs> oh well, is that now? Is that from BoJack or? Yeah, yeah. See, I have not watched. Is that well, it's, it's Jesse cooking meth. Jesse on the couch. Jesse in the future, which is what you're working with right now. And mm. uh, there's Jesse in a car. That's Need for Speed. And there's Jesse behind glass. And that's the Apple TV show that he's in. <laughs> And the thing Sounds is, good. like Todd is still just another version of Jesse, just like yeah. a way nicer and more clueless one. Okay, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I would, well, yeah, I would, I would like to see him. The thing is, he's very good shot. when he's in one of the roles. I would like to see him do something different. Yeah, I agree. So I agree. that could be, it could be interesting. But uh, oh yeah, we were we were watching. Um, I'll get to this in a in a bit. But we were watching. We started watching The Sopranos, and when you're watching an HBO show. Uh, the ad beforehand is usually something relevant to what's on right now. So lately, mm-hmm. it's been Westworld, and it's West. It's futuristic. It's like in some city. Aaron Paul's running around, and now, mind you, I've only watched like the first three or four episodes of the first season. I'm like, where did this show go? <laughs> Something's <Yep>. changed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's but, uh, um, it's not easy to pick up on it uh, if you have not seen the the background, you know. And, but um, and it, it's worth it. I think it's worth it. I, I I mean, I'm probably biased because I've put the time in <laughs> watching <laughs> it. But I'm hoping that it pays off. Um, for season one by far is the best season so far. Okay. So I would say if you can at least watch that, then you you can decide how much you want to give it a chance. You know. Fair enough. I don't know. I think I I feel like I'll end up I'll end up watching it um at some point. This now with all the seasons building up, I could just keep going through them. So that's fun. Yeah. Um I'm not a huge fan of actually watching all of these shows one after the other. Um by the time it's over and it's like all of a sudden midnight, I just don't feel very good about myself. But <laughs> it's it's been happening a lot lately with all the stuff that I'm watching. Uh, well, I guess it also depends on the material, too, because a lot of this has been happening with The Sopranos, where I'll watch, like, four, three to four episodes of it, and, and then you just feel gross afterwards. Um, as, so, I, as someone who binged through Sopranos just over a year ago, mm-hmm. um, you definitely feel grimy or dirty or just depressed sometimes, so I try oh, yeah. to keep that to, like, no more than two or three episodes at a time. So, uh, I'm coming at The Sopranos for the first time. Not a lot of context. I know a handful of things obviously get spoiled over the years of what of certain things that'll happen. I will say uh, I like going at it from this angle of not of you know it's the first time I'm seeing it. I don't have any other context other than that. Everybody seemed to love the show. Similar thing to what Al went through when he watched it. Um, the one thing I will say is I have it's been a season and a half it took for me to be like all right I'll probably watch the rest of this. Uh, the first season. Is not that it's just okay. The first season of that show is bad. It's bad television. I'm throwing that out there now. I, I, I do not think that it's well written. I do not think that it's well acted. And I don't think that any of the character or relationships are compelling. In the second it's, season, they start to actually build relationships. It's funny because a lot of people hold the first season of that show is the clear-cut best. Ugh. Um, 
Which makes me I, concerned for the rest. <laughs> well, the thing is, I... A lot of it starts to blur now because I did watch it relatively quickly. Mm. Um, like, just as far as which storylines were in which season. Like, if you said, oh, the first season was about blank, I'd be like, yes, okay, that makes sense now. Um, from what I remember of the first season, I actually thought it was written pretty compellingly. The acting was a little inconsistent, but there was a lot of no-name, or, like, some, like, the children, those actors were very young then. And they get better as they go, although it doesn't mm. really matter how much better AJ the actor gets. Um, was it Robert Iller or something like that? Um, because he's the worst character in all of TV history. I will hear no argument against that. He's the worst character ever. He's mm, we'll have to see. fundamentally useless. He provides zero value to the show at any point. I'm gonna. Well, I'll check back in with you when the series is over. I don't actually. The, I don't. I, I don't dislike him. Uh, the only two characters I'm rooting right for are the children. So, <laughs> no, Meadow is fine. I mean, she can be annoying at times, but she's fine. Like, and like she ended up having storylines that mattered. She ended up having sequences and character development that was relevant. Mm. Um, and eventually, she kind of gets softly phased out of the show. But it makes sense because she eventually does attempt to distance herself from the family to a certain extent as she becomes more aware of what's going on. Mm. Um, AJ is just like a useless character because he doesn't do anything Mm. except whine. (laughs) And like, so the the only value that he has is occasionally there's a laugh at his expense. But even then, a lot of times I end up just feeling like bad for him. And it's like, it's not like, if he functioned adequately as like a plot device, and even that only happens like once or twice in the six and a half seasons of the show that there are, so. Mm. K- Caleb, did you watch it? I have not, so no. I can't really weigh in on this. Um, no, that's, that's fine. I, I've heard, I've been told to many times. I a, just lot, never a lot, a <laughs> lot. Yeah. yeah that- I, I, I was going to say, what's his name's, like, Gandolfini's performances are great. Um, Edie Falco's performance is great, even though at times that character is really underwritten. Um, mm-hmm. Imperial is good as Chris, even though Chris is can be a super annoying character. Oh yeah. Um, Dre DiMatteo is good as as um, as aid, as aid. What the hell is her? She's just aid. Uh, <laughs> Adriana, that's it. Uh. Um, what's I just love that little that little Steven is fucking Silvio. I had no idea that was even him. Yeah. Um, of all of the characters that have no necks in that show, he has negative neck. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's insane. His head is actually recessed well, slightly yeah, into his collarbone. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up turtle. Oh man, it's uh, it's it's strange. There's well, there's also there's a couple of triggering things in the show for me. Uh, the first one being well, it's probably harder for you because your you and your extended family is closer to some of. Oh, it's it's not even that. It's just growing up on Staten Island where that accent originated. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's horrible. A lot closer to that stuff than me. Like I've always had that at arm's length. Uh, um, for you, you've lived not the mob part of it, but like you've lived like the, the accents, those like types of people, like who are in the periphery of that. You know what I mean? Tony. I'm pretty sure is based on a kid. I, this is horrible. A kid I went to grade school with. Like that's <laughs> like that's how he sounded. He, he had a pinky ring. It was giant and gold. He talked like that. He would always slick his hair back. He was four 
500 pounds. It was ridiculous. <laughs> That's a big boy. Uh, man, uh, it's it's hard it's hard to watch. So there's that. That bothers me just because I it's like I I thought I got out. Um, uh, just like Silvio, just <laughs> when I thought I was out. Uh, they but, pulled me back in. Uh, so there's there's that part of it. And the other thing is there's a lot of people saying how so many other people are terrible and selfish and it drives me crazy when that person is so terrible and selfish <laughs> when they're constantly saying it over and over again and i get that's the point but it, it it's is. like it, it it makes me cringe and it makes me physically like i want to hurl something at the tv <laughs> it's not good it makes me angry is, what what the show is like quote unquote known for in like the zeitgeist is oh it's the mob show there's all these great stuff there's great lines blah blah, blah. That's not what was compelling to me in the show. It's not the best parts of the show. The The meetings between him and, and Dr. Kuzmano are a lot of the show. And that's oh, yeah. the most compelling stuff. Um, even, honestly, some of the family shit, sometimes it can be wildly annoying. Sometimes it's, it's great. It's not like it's like a great action show. There aren't a ton of no. great action sequences or anything like that. Um there are some really good performances, and some of that is from the guest stars. There's some there's some good stars over the years that join on for two or five or a season long run. Joe Pagliano's great when he joins the show. Mm. Um, I forget the guy who plays Johnny Sack. Johnny Sack's a great character when he when he gains more prominence. Um, what's his name? Bashemi was good in it, although. His character, the writing around his character confused me a lot because they seem to be setting him up to something and then there's just like a hard left turn out of nowhere. And I was like, mm. wait, I don't know where the fuck that came from. Um, I don't know if it was one of those things where maybe they were look, they like cast him and they were expecting him to be around for like a long time and then they found out he was going to be around less long than they thought. So the character just makes like a hard turn out of nowhere. And I was like, since when? Mm. Um, but there is a lot of really good performances. There's a lot of like people who pop up there was a couple of people, like even like older actors, who were like, like, yeah. oh wow, that guy, I remember that guy, like he was like famous, like way back or whatever. Who gets some cool turns in it, like mm-hmm. uh, the guy who plays Feech Lamada is uh, an older actor. I don't remember who it is now. Um, you mentioned Robert Patrick confusingly to me over the past twenty four <laughs> hours. <laughs> no, um, we'll to totally forgot he was way. even in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. No, it's good. You had mentioned like their the therapy sessions are are probably the most compelling part of the story. Uh, even more so when what they actually do, which I actually think this is the one of the things that I actually find clever about the show is they'll give you certain theories and certain ideas of why a person approaches a problem a certain way or reacts to something a certain way, and then you could blanket that onto other things that happen in the show, which is great. Mm. That actually is cool. I think that's that's a clever way to write. Like, like, give you an understanding of why a decision that would seemingly be ridiculous is made, right? And that that yes. part of it's cool, but it's it, you know it's it's it feels a little bit more like a parlor trick. Like it's it's a cool a couple of times. I'm gonna need more, like more to the story than just that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely some big misdirection stuff as the stakes start to raise on the show. I'll see. I'd like to see how you still feel about it. The thing is, the show also gets darker along those timelines until the point where it's like, it's just really depressing. But the thing is, this story always had to go that way because these mm-hmm. are bad people. Like, oh, yeah. And they don't 
necessarily get to win you know I, I will say one of one of my favorite things i've been enjoying the most is the there are there are one-liners just like like you can't even imagine like there they're just they're ones. the most ridiculous things that people will say uh and what it usually results in is kim sitting on one side of the couch and i'm sitting on the other and they'll say something and we'll just slow turn towards each other <laughs> <laughs> and then repeat that for the next five days uh so one of one of which are you out of your tree i haven't heard anybody say that like outside of <laughs> I, maybe like my mom 25 years ago. <laughs> so that that one really got me. I thought that was really funny. But the other day, one hit me. And uh, it just, I have been thinking about it since. And every once in a while, it pops into my head and I just start laughing. Uh, one character is reading a book. And Tony says, what are you reading? And she says, chicken soup for the soul. And he says, you ever read tomato soup for your ass? It's the Italian version. <laughs> it's like, this show is ridiculous. <laughs> Wasn't that Carmela who was reading it? Uh, no, it was his, uh, his Gumad. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's, it's, it's got some, some ridiculous, some ridiculous one-liners in it. But anyway, that's, that's the one, that's one thing that I've, um, I'm diving deep into now. I've got one episode left in the second season, and like I said, halfway through the second season, started to actually get interested in the story and where it's going. So, probably gonna play that one out. But a big one ended this week, guys. Shit's Creek is over. Caleb, did you watch it? So I'm not current. However, I watched up to... I'm very confused with the show. So what is it originally air on? Is it a Netflix show or not? No, it's, it's CBC. It's a Canadian, it's a Canadian show. show. Okay. So I watched up until... Have you? Are you both current? Are you current? Oh, yeah. The finale I, I, I was Tuesday. It. We both watched it. All right. It. So the last episode that I saw, I thought was the last episode of the show, and it was. It really confused me. Probably a noob mistake to assume it was, basically. <laughs> um, basically, it was... They did the play. And, um <laughs> That was the finale of last season, right? Okay, so then I am I'm one season behind. I did not know that that currently they had started a new season that had yet to air on Netflix. So I'm up to the the last episode of last season. Uh, was it last season or the season before? I thought it was last season because didn't am I too that I might be too behind? You didn't might be. that? Well, I mean, do you if you put on Netflix, is there more seasons after? <laughs> Well, that also depends if the last one has, is up was up on Netflix. That's what I'm saying. It? I don't know how they do. I don't know the rate at which they yeah, the put release them on schedule. Netflix. I don't know if it's like one behind or more. I don't know. No, but I thought that I watched all of the preceding seasons on Netflix. That's why I was asking. But wasn't the oh, huh. the wasn't the play what like spurs Stevie on to considering changing careers at the beginning of this season? Maybe that might it might have been this season that that might have been the end of the last season. So yeah, either either way, that's that's a tremendous episode. Uh, that show it really it's just so funny, and I I give them uh, I know it's like one of those things. It's very easy to be upset when something that you really like ends, but I give them a lot of credit for being like we're done here, like we we're finished with the story that we want to tell and, and wrapping yeah. it up. <laughs> I very I I find that I find that extremely respectable, especially in the, the day and age, and you know the way that content is pushed out now. You you generally feel like it's more. Can we do more? Can we do more? Can we get more out of more <laughs> views out of people, or or should we be done? And and should we do more? Right. Well, that's why I really enjoyed the post show. After the finale the other day, they ran like an hour long thing showing some behind the scenes, some like so retrospective good. of how it was started. Like they were showing like kind of the progression. They they checked in on a couple of days of production of the final season, and they checked. They did interviews on set with different. How many? Actors. How many times did you go? <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think I ever did that, but I, you know, it got a little dusty when I was yeah. watching it. It was, uh, uh, you know, so it, what was what was special about watching that by watching this show is it was very obvious how much these people loved working with each other, and I always really enjoy and appreciate that with mm-hmm. a show when there is a general, not just a lack of strife, but like an active. There's that synergy can show up on screen. Yeah. When everyone really genuinely likes each other and likes working with each other and likes what they're doing, 100%. yeah, for sure, you could you could feel it when you're watching something like that. Uh, I did check real quick, and yes, the life as a cabaret was the the final episode of the fifth season. So the sixth okay. season nice. just finished nice. airing this week. So I'm not I'm not so far behind. So I'll yeah, you're just one season behind, and then I'll then I'll see the I'll watch the last season. Weren't they free on Pop? Like the yeah, you can watch them on Pop. Yeah, the pop no, the I'm pop app is I'm pretty sure is free and you could just stream them there. I that's pop, where I watched it. Pop TV live. was the was the station that airs on in the US when it was live. Yeah. Gotcha. So, for those of you keeping score at home, if you need if you need a good show to watch, Shit's Creek, 5 sixths of it on Netflix <laughs> and, the, and the rest of it on Pop. <laughs> but do it. Do it. <laughs> It'll go quick. I'm ready to rewatch it at the end of the year. That's how we're we're, we're planning on doing it at the end of the year. And that that was my my part of the intro was that was the name of the after show was Shit's Creek best wishes warmest regards which is also one of the greatest quotes of in the show. Uh, I was saying, it was kind of, it wasn't it was kind of a running joke right between mm. David and Stevie. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, there is there are a lot of great shirts of quotes from that show that are really <laughs> just really tremendous. And uh, when Kim and I went to see the like, the live thing where they were all came out on stage and did like a Q and A. It's uh, funny, when they were showing that, I was like, I'm pretty sure Anthony and Kim went to that. Yeah, they we, showed a bit of that. There was a bunch the of them, but we went, yeah, we went to one. And uh, they there were even more shirts there. Like, you, you know, like the end shirts? Like, it was like Johnny and Moira and David and Alexa. Like, they, like a lot of those shirts. And then, like, yeah. a bunch of stuff with, like, David's face on it. Like, a giant shirt. Or even the clothes that he wears in the show. <laughs> which is so many ridiculous outfits. for Halloween. is on point. I mean, even for all I know, honestly, he's probably he's like just hilarious oh, he was and like very socially... heavily involved with it he yeah. was they yeah. did a whole segment on that in the after show that him and like the costume designer designed most of the cast awesome. stuff including his and moira stuff they spent the most time on but anthony and kim were stevie and david for halloween this past year it was great <laughs> anthony had like the rings the glasses the shirt all of it and it became like this whole cult thing. The thing, my favorite thing from all that, or just the thing that shocked me the most was the Night of a Thousand Moiras. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> there was this like, it was like, was it in Philadelphia or something like that? There was yep. some bar. So good. That That's awesome. They, they hosted a night where a, like a thousand different people in a thousand that different Moira outfits. Is awesome. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, so I've got a. So, so, something came up. Um, there's not a lot of news that has been coming up with, in regards to movies, but something did come up. Is a VFX artist said that yes, it's true. There was a butthole cut of cats, and they removed the buttholes. I heard that. I didn't know if it was, <laughs> that was real or not. So, oh what I God. what I have to offer you is this horrendous <laughs> choice. You have to watch one of these two things. You either have to watch the butthole cut or the Snyder cut. <laughs> what do you watch? <laughs> Oh, it's the Snyder Cut. <laughs> the, Sni- the Snyder Cut with the buttholes. <laughs> yeah, the Caleb's answer cut. is just yes. 
the Snyder little double hole. feature. The Snyder hole cut. <laughs> really, Alan? I'm actually I'm I'm surprised. I thought it would be a harder choice for you. I know how how angry you are about that whole thing. I am, but if the you're whole giving thing. me this impossible choice. <laughs> <laughs> you're giving me this impossible choice. <laughs> might as well go with the devil I know. That's all right. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, baby. It's Al <laughs> So, Al, what what about you? You've been watching anything? Anything good? Uh, uh, sometimes I watch things. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, it's down to now. Sometimes I watch things. Um, well, see, the problem is, so I'm out working every day. I do not get to. I do not get to enjoy the benefits of the quarantine season. Um, I'm on the front lines, unfortunately. But the rest of my family is all quarantined. Maybe, maybe front lines is not what you should say, <laughs> since there are a lot no, more serious I mean, serious I'm on the front things. lines of being on top of people all the time. Like, I'm not saving anyone medically. Yeah. Um, but I mean that I'm literally in contact with people all the time. Although, thankfully, most of the time, I get to try and hide from them as much as possible. Mm. That being said... My family is all quarantined. My dad is working from home. My brother is working from home at, like, half time. My sister is kind of doing college from home, and my mom is off. Um, so when the weekend comes around, like, they're all like, oh, we get family time together. And I'm like, you guys are together all the time. So, like, I don't have any time to catch up with stuff on my own on the weekend because they just want to do stuff together on the weekend. Yeah. And so, like, I had to, like, squeeze Interstellar in obnoxiously on Sunday with the family around for half of the movie, which meant I was literally just had it on full volume because right. there is 70% of the dialogue in that movie is whispered. Mm-hmm. And well, it is the, a McConaughey movie. Well, it's not just him, though, is the problem. Ugh, and grumbles and whistles. 100% of the score <laughs> and <whistles>. action. Yeah. <laughs> 100% of the score and action, like, music is at like 120% volume. Yeah. And it's just blaring my speakers it's, out. It, there's a lot of obnoxious trumpet. <laughs> yes. Distracting trumpet. <laughs> um, so like that was the only time like I've got to do something like for myself, like by myself, I'll say, during this, like the weekends. Mm. So during the week, I have like two hours to myself a night. And I'm not even keeping up with what I've been watching. I've been keeping up with devs to the best of my ability. I Damn watched right. it. And finished watching moments ago before we started recording <laughs> this. Uh, I watched Better Call Saul yesterday, and like that's all I'm really keeping up with. I'm like six episodes behind on Homeland, and it's the final season of that. And mm. I, I wanted to be able to finish it when it was finishing, and that's never going to happen because I think it might be finishing this weekend. K- Caleb, are you watching Better Call Saul? I wish I'm not. I have to. You still never started that up. No, no, I, I, I'm current to the last season that came out on nice. Netflix. I just okay. don't, I don't have, I don't have cable, and I don't have like a service that I get AMC currently. Uh, maybe you guys could let me. I mean, do you guys use cable or do you use something else to get? No, so what I, do you guys do? I, uh, I, I don't watch Can you it. Legally say this? <laughs> <laughs> he watches it totally and completely uh, legally. I, uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, uh, and I have Directv. <laughs> Um, but I okay, thought so. I thought AMC was pretty good about making available like their as far, on their app or whatever. As far as I know, uh, as far as I've watched, it's all been it's all been on Netflix. So, mm. uh, so check out have, their check out their app because I thought that was one of the ones my brother used, and I don't think he used any login. Oh, that they just they just air their okay. stuff. You think? So I, I, I um well yeah so I mean 
I, so, I, so I love you it. you I watch it. You're just it. not up to date. Yes, yeah, yes, I absolutely love it. Great show, tremendous show. I, I'm uh, I'm one episode behind. There was one that came on this week. I haven't watched yet. But uh, I, this this week this week was really strong. And if you needed your Breaking Bad fix, uh, like your this is the one. Like this was. Uh, it's been ramping oh, up. Okay. This could have been a breaking. <laughs> no, but like this specific episode could have been. A Breaking Bad episode Dude. because a lot of it Ooh. is in the desert. A lot of it is just Mike oh, and yeah, Jimmy. Oh, okay. And Exciting. It's one of those types of episodes. Sounds real good. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So you're up. You, Caleb, I wasn't sure if you were kidding or not. Are you up to date on Debs or no? I I, I did not get to oh, squeeze okay. in right. today's episode. Okay, but so aside won, from that, one I am. God, that show is so damn good. All right. Kim, Kim was not. Kim, we're not going to talk details. Hey. No, no. Uh, Kim was not super thrilled with this episode, but she was just annoyed with decisions that were being made. Uh, I was super into show or by the characters in the show, just the characters in the show. Okay, Um, but which will yeah, we could touch on that in in a future episode. But did anyone make any decisions? It might be determinative. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I I'm hooked on that show. I the format is is amazing. The fact that it's that this is it. I I love that this is it. I don't know why I'm so excited about it, but the, the fact there's an end in sight, I like this. Now, until listening to last week's episode of your podcast, I didn't even know that that was the case. And when you said that, I got extremely excited. <laughs> I've become uh, sort of, not obsessed, but anytime I hear a show is doing that, I'm just like, I'm all in. I'm like, this yeah. is going to be better material. There's no way it can't be. Because you can't you can't write an ending if you have to leave room, right? No. So why like just stop? This is why movies are my number one. TV shows that end are my number two, <laughs> and then the other TV shows are three. Well, it's funny you were talking earlier about like adapt adaptations of movies or movie adaptations yeah. of books, and it took until Game of Thrones for me to realize this is totally untapped market of let's adapt books to shows because you don't have to cut. All of the yeah. connective tissue that makes a good book so special, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, the, considering the amount of detail, the it's truly a masterpiece how the Lord of the Rings movies came out so well. Because that would have been something that was totally ripe to be totally an abomination in movie form, as opposed to if you gave it the longer treatment on the small screen. Um, there's so many other movies that you know didn't work as well because you had to cut the things that made it such a cohesive, right. like deep piece of like, like whatever. Weirdly, some of the Clancy's actually succeeded because some of that stuff doesn't need to be in there, but some of them also flopped dramatically. But I think that more had to do with direction and acting. Sure. Um, but this obviously wasn't an adaptation. It was written by Alex Garland for this format, and I like that. He was given free reign within this format to write as he saw fit. Because I don't think they gave him, and it has to be eight episodes. They, he probably was like, I wrote something that's eight episodes. They're like, great, we're going to air it. Right. If it was nine, we'd air it. If it was 12, we would air it. Like right. Rather than so many other shows where they say, okay, we're, get, we're greenlighting you for a 12-episode season. And you see those episodes where it's like, could, you could have probably condensed this down to 10. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, or three. Walking Dead. Um <laughs> The uh, uh, the first the for first season of um, uh, True Detective, 
Again, I knew it was going to oh end God. having a, a right, full right, solid, right. like, so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> having a solid story like that. Like, oh, I just, I do. I, Everything's things, seven degrees from the reconnaissance. Th- things, <laughs> things need, stories, stories need to end. Stories need to be able to have an ending. Uh, a TV show with an open contract is not, is not going to do it. Unless it's a comedy. I feel like comedy so Kel- work most of the time. Caleb, we ran into an issue last week where I thought I had said something to you and Kirsty when we talked on our Zoom call. Maybe I didn't, and I must have talked about it with Anthony the week before on the show. So did I not mention to you then that this was a, a limited series standalone and that Alex Garland is writing something, another show for the whole cast? I 100% remember you telling me about the whole <laughs> cast thing. <laughs> because I because I was actually excited. I like that. Is that now? Is that considered an anthology when they use the same people, but it's like a different story every time? What what's the? I, I don't know I how that. they'll I treat think that. I used that word wrong. No, no, no. I need you some did knowledge because, dropped. No, you you kind well. What what you were alluding to was like yes, like when you look at something like American Horror Story, where most of the main cast tends to come back, and it's an anthology. It ends up being within. Like thematically or within the same world, different stories. Same thing with okay. True Detective became okay. an anthology. So, okay. But this doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. Now, maybe that could change, but I think that the idea is going to be that it's an entirely different world, entirely different story. He's said, I don't want to do sci fi for the next one. I want to do something else. Mm. All right, I respect that. So, Which isn't uh, to say that it couldn't exist within the same world, but I don't think he's going to feel compelled to like do that now maybe they could undo an umbrella of it's alex garland's devs it's alex garland's whatever but i wouldn't consider it exactly the same thing unless you're branding it that way because okay you know what i mean yeah yeah, 100 percent. what if it's remember you saying that oh go ahead what what if it's like a a view askewiverse thing where they 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 link up and then nick offerman's like hey finger cuffs like what like it just like just really just points out another character (laughs) psycho with the computer uh i whatever he wants to do i'm watching it that's so, where we're at. That's where we're at with it. I, I uh, have to uh, give Al uh, a plug on the podcast. Hundred percent. The only reason I know who Alex Garland is, which which is sad on my part, but um, he told me. So me and Al go to the same gym, and you know, often talk about these sort of things while we're there. Um, you know, back in the golden days when we could be around other human beings. And back when our gym existed, books in our house. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we, he, uh, we'd often talk about movies or whatever, and he told me, uh, you need to watch Annihilation. And I think it actually stemmed off a joke because one day I said something or he said something, and then he was like, Bwah-na-na. and I just looked at him weird. <laughs> and, and, and like, Why are you making that noise, guy? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. What it was, what it was, was he, I said something, and Caleb did the Inception noise. Ah, okay. Wah. I said, oh, oh I yeah. Said, I was like, oh no, me and Anthony there's have a new one. sound to replace that. And <laughs> yep. I found him, there's that like four second clip on YouTube of just the sound. Mm, just sent and it I, to me. And I like, sent it to him and he's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's so pretty. It's so pretty. My head explodes. <laughs> so he actually put me onto Annihilation. Uh, it had been a movie that I had seen advertised and stuff when it first came out. I just never got around to watching it um, and decided, okay, like, yeah let me watch this he told me to i watched it uh me and my girlfriend made the mistake of watching this movie at starting it at about nine o'clock at nope. night Mm-mm. uh 
See, no, me, and, that was... me and Anthony watched it at 9 o'clock in the morning. No. Yeah. So yeah. 9 o'clock in the morning, the came movie. out of the movie theater, still afraid of Screaming Bears. No. So did... <laughs> Okay. I, I wasn't sure if I shouldn't spoil it or not. That's yeah, fine. That, that was horrifying. But I, I mean, ah! it was like... Yeah. <laughs> it, it was literally like me, like, side-eyeing my girlfriend, like, looking at her face, trying to see, like, how is she taking this right now? Because this, this, this is hard for me. Like, what the hell is this? this? uncomfortable. So uh, it, it hit us with our with its full impact. Um, and, and Mimic Man, to follow that up, I was just like, oh, no, this is... <laughs> This is this is nightmare material. I'm lucky if I sleep tonight. <laughs> so I that remember movie sleep. left an impression for sure. And when he said that that guy, the screaming bear guy, was going to do a TV show, I'm like, okay, uh, I'm in. But am I in? I don't know. <laughs> what if the next show is about the screaming bear? I'm out. Okay. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm, I'm out. That's, uh, again, so I was like, did you go back and listen to our episode on Annihilation? I believe I did. Okay, I couldn't remember because I know you saw it. A I listened to a ago. lot of podcasts, so everything gets jumbled. And I also listened to a lot of movie review podcasts, including yours. So I don't remember like what I've heard of it. I'm pretty sure I listened to it, though, after I watched it that nice. night. That's what I thought. To your episode because I wanted I to listen be- to it. Because before when that. when you saw Annihilation was like one of the last couple times we were at the gym together, yep. before it was closed, <laughs> before um, the end of the world began, before the end of the world. So I couldn't remember. So I was say, what are your like just quick like impressions, thoughts about that movie? Because we okay. talked about that in the past on here. Me and Anthony love that movie. So um, powerful, uh, Im- impressionable, hmm. original. <laughs> that's that that would be that would be because i mean that word is it really maybe maybe 20 years ago that really wouldn't describe a single movie but i feel like if you use the word original to describe a movie now i mean it's pretty and i know it was adapted from a book and i know that they he took some artistic liberties I, I, yeah right? yeah so, he, with with the ending and well part of it is because it was i think a trilogy of books and alex garland said like I don't really have an interest in doing a trilogy. I was just compelled by that one story, and I wanted to write an ending to it, where it's somewhat open ended, but it is a conclusion to that story. There doesn't need to be. There shouldn't really be any continuation of it. Mm, gotcha. So yeah, I mean, just the way media is in general, it's even hard to find an original book to adapt. You know what I mean? So yeah. it just just even if he took his own liberties, um, the subject matter in that movie and just like the way it was making me think while disturbing me at the same time, it was like it was like an elevated horror, like mind thriller. And I was yeah, I gotta like, be honest. Going in, I had no idea how horrifying that movie was gonna be. Like I didn't feel like it was billed in any way, shape, or form as a horror. Movie and yet I feel like it was the most horrifying thing I've seen ever. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It was, uh, it was very powerful and like that word can mean many different things. Um, but a movie definitely sticks with me if I describe it as powerful, personally. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And that is what that was my bridge to Alex Garland and 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 he, um, he kind of gained like my trust. <laughs> so I would put some time into trying whatever he puts out after that and now with devs that's just like two yeah. two for two on that one so, so we're gonna have to get during we, me and anthony started coming up with a list of like 
looking back, and I'll say quote unquote older movies in the sense that they're not new releases. Um, we need to add X Machina to the list, and we'll have Caleb watch that and come back on because that's the one he hasn't gotten to. Yet. All right, okay. we're getting we're getting to the point of 125 episodes, and I don't remember. We didn't do Ex Machina? No, <laughs> or we, we, just we just talk just about it about enough? It so okay. yeah, that's pretty God. crazy. I've listened to a good amount of your guys' podcasts, and I would swear that you reviewed it, because I feel like I, if you clipped together all the talks you've had about Ex Machina, and put the, you, you don't even need to re-record well, yeah, it. Well, when, so. we, when we don't have a week, I'll just edit old episodes <laughs> down exactly. into a new one. <laughs> uh, I'm not a big fan of clip shows. Um, <laughs> But, uh, I mean, listen, it wouldn't be the first time we recorded one episode on the same movie, to- or two episodes on the same movie, so. <laughs> I- I'm gonna, Radio it, silence. I'm going to leave that dead air in there. I- I'm going to try to, but a lot of that gets automatically clipped out. Uh, that was intentional. Uh, yeah, no, we absolutely didn't do that. Um, man, we would never do that. God. I, I do want to watch Ex Machina again. I've actually, I've been, I've been thinking about sitting down with that one again recently, uh, especially because of devs. A lot of... A lot of st- lot of like visual stuff going like side by side there. I mean, it's not related at all, but it it's got it's got the same heart. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this one is probably more closely related to devs than yeah. Like devs and X Machina is more closely related than. than what about that last scene of devs though with the bear? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we dive into some fun and games? Uh, I've got a quiz pulled up here. I've got two of them. This uh. Went fairly smooth last time, so we'll see how it goes this time when we did it with two people. Uh, we're going to see if you guys can last in space with this sci-fi movie quiz. All right? <laughs> and uh, hopefully, hopefully these questions and answers are in the same order so that we can do this together because the two of you are predicting this quiz simultaneously. <laughs> All right. I might oh. suffocate an icy death. Also, here, here's what we're going to do. Some of these are actually legit like trivia, so I'm going to give you the question and the options. Then I'm going to count down from three, and you're both going to answer at the same time, because I don't want one of you influencing the other. You know That's going to be a train wreck. But it's, oh, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be an absolute <laughs> disaster. Garbage party. But we're going to try it nonetheless. Which movie includes the line, what are you telling me, that I can dodge bullets? And here are your <laughs> options. It, it's that one that Caleb just referenced. <laughs> is it? <laughs> oh, my God. It is was. it this Time is Crimes? Crazy. Inception? The Matrix? Or Memento? I want your answers in three. Two, one. The Matrix. Matrix. All right, cool. I'm, Al only said Matrix. Isn't he technically wrong? He's wrong, yeah. It's, it's, it was, what is the wow. Matrix? <laughs> Listen. All right. W's are made on technicalities, Al. 2001 Space Odyssey is a classic written by Stanley Kubrick. And which other sci-fi giant? John Scalzi, Isaac Asimov, Philip K. Dick, Arthur C. Clarke. Three, two, one. Answers. Dick. Philip K. Dick. All right, all right. So far, you're both you're both either surviving or not. We're not really sure where this is gonna go. So I didn't good. know the answer. I just just that guy has the word Dick in his name. So. Awesome. <laughs> well, he's way written, to go. He's I'm written kidding, a lot right? of like. Okay. Really I appreciate the honesty. Sci-fi. He's <laughs> written kidding. a lot of influential like sci-fi stuff, like do electric sheep dream or do yeah, 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 yeah. do androids dream of electric sheep. That was the one. Um, and a bunch of other ones. You Arthur know, C. Clarke, I know, wrote a lot of sci-fi shit, too, but I don't know what he wrote. So it, Some, know, some of these are a little anything. too easy, so I'm thinking maybe I won't even read you the answers. Okay. Ooh, All right, ready? In space, no one can hear you scream. Is the tagline for which classic film starring Sigourney Weaver? 
<laughs> alien. <laughs> alien. Yeah, well, let's just say alien. Right. Well, he didn't do the countdown. <laughs> that, that's right. That's my bad. I apologize. <laughs> All right. This movie was set in a post-apocalyptic outback. What is it? Ooh. Oh, interesting. This is a Rubbed picture. All or? right, here we go. There's a guy <laughs> standing on a road <laughs> on a barren land with a car, a particular car of note <laughs> next to him. <laughs> Three, two, one. Mad, Mad Max. Max. Nice. <laughs> All right. That one's silly. What book was the movie Blade Runner based on? Interesting. Um, do, you, do you guys need options for this one? Wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. Al's it, gonna have to take this one if he if was. He wasn't it the one I just referenced? What was the one? Do you, androids dream of electric sheep? I didn't. I one? didn't hear you say that, but uh, yeah. Oh. I, when we were talking about Philip K. Dick, I said. Oh. I said he wrote. Did do it? I butchered it the first time. I said. So, do androids dream of electric sheep? That's the without book. without Caleb knowing that one. I'm gonna choose one of these other random options. Does that sound fair? Okay. That's how we're going to do this ridiculous multiple choice question thing. What is the license plate of the DeLorean in Back to the Future films? Three, two, one. Pass. Boobs. (laughs) Wow, neither one of you know. (laughs) All right. Uh, You're each getting a random It wasn't B-O-O-B-Z. It was out out of time. Oh. All right. We're continuing the quiz. Oh, boy. This is one of those ones with multiple pages and no indication of how long it is. So, strap in. (laughs) (laughs) Star Wars is one of the most epic sci-fi series of all time. Name the planet that Leia grew up on. Three, two, one. Alderaan. Ah, damn it. (laughs) That's not not a good look for a Star Wars fan. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. All right, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. What you call someone who? Sorry about that. In the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, what might you call someone who know who knows where his towel is? Can you give us the options? Sure, I'll I'll give you guys the options (laughs) for this one. (laughs) A Zaphod Beeblebrox, a dolphin, a Zarkenfrude, a Pangalactic Gargle Blaster. Let's go with D. Yeah, gonna go with A. All right. What kind of creature is the thing? I'll give you options. Alien, ghost, demon, mutant. Mm, Alien. It's an alien. All right. Here we go. Number 10. In Logan's run, what age are people when they are euthanized? No fucking idea. All right. We get chance. We get options on on Oh, actually, here, yeah. All right, here's your multiple choice options. 18, 21, 25, or 30. I'll need your answers. Actually, it doesn't matter because neither of you know the answer. 25. 25. Oh, Ooh. okay. All right. <laughs> Power twin. At least we know <laughs> exactly. In E.T., what Halloween costume does the titular character wear? A ghost. Ow. Whoops. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Al, what do you got for us? Do you that have was a technical difficulty. Wait, what? In E.T., what Halloween costume does the titular character wear? I thought it was a ghost, yeah. Oh, wait, no. He has, like, an ugly wig on, right? And lipstick or something? Uh, oh, you're right. Like an old lady. <laughs> like a weird old lady. <laughs> Your answers are You gotta give in. us the options, goddammit! What, <laughs> what is the name of the fifth element in the fifth element? Ooh. Caleb's never seen it even though oh, I No, I did, I did, I did. I watched it on a flight back. Alright, I'll read the answers. Uh, Wait, you finally watched it? 
Yeah, watch it on a flight back from Vegas. Nice. I'm gonna. I'll read the answers. Caleb will guess. I have a feeling this Al year. knows this one. Last so. year. Okay, because I was saying because we were talking about it for like years, and you were like, "Oh, I didn't see it." I was like, "How?" Adamantine, okay, so, Lilu, Cronton, or Dillahun? Uh, yeah, Le- it's Lilu. It's Lilu. It is absolutely yep. Lilu. Lilu, Dallas, multipass. Chicken. <laughs> All right, last question. How would you rate this quiz? <laughs> I loved wow. it. It was pretty okay. Not great. I feel like you need the answer before you could really answer this one. Uh, it, it depends on if I win or not. I 100% my rating. I, I have a feeling that if you say not great, you lose. And if you say you loved it, you actually win. That's my guess. I was going to say, I'm going to go with I loved it just to pander. All right. Uh, I mean, being that this is the greatest podcast ever and I oh. got a chance to guest star on it, I, oh. I would say I absolutely loved it. It made <laughs> my quarantined three weeks. <laughs> oh my God, this is a disaster. All right, sending the results. Hold tight. What is this fake loading screen? What is this? It's not, there's not even an ad on it. What? All right. Uh, oh, you guys got different op- answers. Interesting. Al, you won't turn up your nose at a good sci-fi flick, but they're not your go-to. Share and see if any of your friends are more familiar with the genre. I'm not going to do that. You got 8 out of 12 correct. Um, it doesn't tell you which ones you got right, which ones you got wrong. Oh, right. I think I blacklisted this website. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I was like, I'm never doing a quiz from them again. Using? And here we are. Oh, is that one from a couple weeks ago? No, it's, it's from a long... Uh, it's like from the early days of fun and games. All right. I'm going right, to... I have to keep a better list running. Caleb, you got... You've seen a couple of these movies, but you still failed this quiz. <laughs> That's it. No, nothing else. It's just a complete savage response from the Quizmasters at Magic Quiz. Uh, it's asks if you want to share this with your friends. Um, I'm just going to say no. I'm, I'm going to go on a hard pass. It's a hard pass. <laughs> All right. Next, guys, I promise next time I'll have a better quiz handy. I was, I, it was in a pinch. I looked at the list and I realized I forgot to add one so that we could do something decent. It's a disaster. <sighs> I'm not going to sleep for at least two days with the answer to that Leah, that, uh, that Leia's, Leia's planet question. Not good. Not good. I'm not okay with that. Uh, well, I got to be. Be- I have to be better. I did get a new card game. Al, also, Al, I know you have a trivia game. We should probably bring that on the show at some point soon. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure how it was going to play on the show. We could just do a couple random ones. Doesn't really. Although it probably would be good for one where we have a guest. Yeah. All right. So yeah, like, and we like you kind of battle it out. Maybe we'll do that with the next guest. Uh, I do also have another game that just came in the mail recently, which is uh, Jay and Silent Bob's Big Fat Cardon game. So uh, <laughs> it's, it, it seems like it's a twisted would you rather type of situation. So if I could figure out how to get that one into the show, we'll do that. Sorry, you just said you just said Cardon, and it reminded me of the Parks and Rec where the, with the Swiss chard stand, get a chard on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that show! Chard bodies. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, let us get into our flick of the week. Interstellar, released in 2014, PG-13, two hours and 49 minutes. A team of explorers travel through a wormhole in space in an attempt to ensure humanity's survival. There's your IMDb synopsis. Uh, We're going to dive right in with our tweet-length reviews and ratings. So giving you mine first... A Jonathan and Christopher masterwork, the emotional survival odyssey through time and space creates a gravity you can feel. Without caveats or hesitation, this movie is a 10 out of 10 masterpiece. That is my... That's me. So, (laughs) Caleb, what do you got for me? (laughs) Okay. Put me on the spot here. All right. Um, I will let it be known. I didn't get a chance to script this, so it's coming straight off the top of the head. That's fine. So, um, I, I love this movie. Um... 
I am honored to have, I don't know if you guys are planning on doing this movie or if you kind of rolled off Al telling you that I kind of asked, hey, if I could ever be it, on the podcast, I'd it, love it to. Definitely, love to it definitely movie. surfaced, and I was very glad okay. that there was a reason, another reason for Al to see it. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we had a thing going on, and I'm sorry to interrupt you giving your tweet length review, Caleb, but we had a thing... I don't know why I didn't see this movie because I do love Nolan's work. I love all the Batmans that he did. I I love The Prestige. We did that a while ago on the show. Inception was great. Um, and Memento was very good. I only saw it the one time. So I had no reason to not want to see this movie when it came out and I just didn't. So we had this thing where Anthony was like, when you see it for the first time, I want to watch it with you. And we've just never gotten around to it. Uh, but it's one that's come up in recent times. Like, oh, we're definitely going to do it. It's going to be there eventually. Like, we'll do it for the show. And, like, you bring it up was like, okay, we don't have any new releases coming out. We have no excuse not to just fire it up and watch it at some point. So why not now? Like, there's no time like the present. Yep. So, um, you know, the reason that that was the one that just rolled off the top of my head when, you know, you were talking about movies that you'd wanted to ever do or anything like that. Uh, this movie like impacted me when I first saw it and it, it really left me with a feeling to the overall movie. Um, even more so than most Nolan films. Um, I'll get into it more later as we talk about various parts of the film, but I feel Nolan's movies tend to have kind of a cold, uh, feel to them. There's not, there's not a too much heart, it's more like thought-provoking subject matter. This movie hit my heart when I watched it. Mm. Um, not to sound cheesy or, you know, but the reason I chose that that soft, this, 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 this beer with the soft teddy bear name, mm-hmm. um, I, I, was, I was fighting back some tears at a couple parts in this movie. And between Zimmer's score Ugh. and the scenes, <laughs> I, I literally, even watching it today just to refresh, and I watched it two weeks ago with my girlfriend, the uh, same thing happens to me every single time. So that's a little longer than 140 characters, but what, that's my, that's what's, my your, what's your rating? Uh, okay, out of 10... I'm gonna rate this. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go nine out of ten because of 10. for me, it's it's hard to it's hard to do ten out of ten. There, sure. you know. But so nine out of ten, solid. Love it. Love it. I know you've listened to a good handful of our episodes, but uh, I don't know if you know this, but if you mention in a positive light Hans Zimmer, it's the quickest way to Anthony's heart. Hundred percent. So uh, <laughs> he's 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 my new favorite person. <laughs> You've been bummed You've been bummed I guess. I guess we have. Uh, it's now a full time three person podcast. So uh, <laughs> you had me at Hans Zimmer. Well, <laughs> well, it's okay because you know he is my twin in power. Um, me and Caleb well, have the exact. I, I, yep. Exact same birthday. Um, oh really? So yep. yeah, yep. like to the second ninety baby. Well, no. No. Both our moms. Both our moms waited and pushed at the same time. Um, yeah, that's like the the time you came out to our birthday in Hoboken. It was our birthday. We have the exact same birthday. Oh. Um, but anyway. Um, Shout out to back. being in public with other humans. <laughs> yeah. Remember when? Uh, <laughs> there's going to be so much fucking anarchy when, like, all of this is lifted and everyone can go out and do stuff again. Lots of blackouts. <laughs> Lots. It's, just oh, yeah. a, it's the two of you, but it's the two kids from Talladega Nights running around yelling anarchy. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I love it. All right, my tweet length review. A slow, somber look at the personal, professional, and societal costs of saving the world. 
While Interstellar coldly keeps you at arm's length at the start, it slowly unveils a deeply emotional look at doing what it takes to save those you love and those you've never met before. Nice. Very nice. Um, nice. It's funny that you brought up the cold thing. It's a criticism I've heard of a lot of Nolan's work in the past, specifically this one, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts later on about this, the, the conversation and the consensus around this movie, but I thought this was a, that was a specific criticism levied at this movie, levied at a lot of his other work, and I've never really got that. Um, I re- I'll rate this one an 8.5 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. It was really good. What I'll say for people who maybe are a big fan of, on the surface, his movies, let's say The Three Batmans and Inception, because that's most of what people know of Nolan. Not everyone is a huge Prestige fan. That's got a much tighter, like, like niche, like... Well, not niche, but it's got a much tighter, like, cult following, I feel like. It's not as widely viewed as Inception was. And this coming after Inception, you know, there was a lot of hype where people went out and saw it again because that movie was a phenomenon, right? I think the reason that people maybe didn't take to this one the same way is that the pacing in this movie is so different than his other well-known movies. Um, It's really, really a slow burn for the majority of the first two-thirds of the movie. And that's not a criticism. It actually fit really well for this movie. Um, But the emotional thing... What I've realized, I think, or my thesis on this is, and it's largely anecdotal, right? I think you, the way he makes his movies, you get out of it what you bring to the table yourself. Mm. I think if you're expecting him to literally tug at your heartstrings and drag the tears out of you, then it's not going to happen. But if you can get to that space on your own, there are subtle depths to this to all of his movies that um, or at least to most of them that you know it's there if you have within yourself the ability to go find it um because i i found myself getting emotional at parts of this movie as well so i don't understand how people can have that perception of him being cold and i've heard like you know terms like cold like like out of touch with human emotion like stuff like that um, and with some in reference to some of his movies, and I don't get that criticism. I feel like that's I, yeah. I don't really get that criticism either. Uh, I also have heard that I do think it has more to do with his visuals and people not realizing how much that really affects you. Uh, the his constant cool blue color palette it'll depress the shit out of you. <laughs> like it's not it's not uplifting in any way. It is cold and distant. Well, it doesn't have to be uplifting though, and and that's kind of my. Point it, is, do, it doesn't, but it's there all of the time, and you don't realize how much that something like that affects you. Well, this is the only movie that I felt like it was... Although, actually, I guess to a certain extent it's true of Inception as well. Um, the movie starts by holding you at arm's length. That's an intentional choice. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is everything that's going on, you don't realize by the time that it peaks, or at least from an emotional standpoint, by the time it peaks, you look down and you realize that that hand's not there holding you at arm's length anymore. So it's up to you to bridge the gap. Mm. It's there for you. It's there if you want it to seek it out of it. But if you can't get there on your own, it's not gonna. It's not gonna yank the, those feelings out of you. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's it's funny that you say that. It's like <laughs> you watch it like the, maybe the first 30, I think it's like 37 minutes uh, or so before you even get into like into the space travel and all that. But uh, when you're watching that portion of it, kind of like what you're saying, I feel like the parents there with you and you're asking the you're like, hey, and you're asking questions and they're just like, watch, watch. And then, and then when, and when that like moment hits, they're just not there anymore. And like, and like you're saying, then you make, make of it what you will. Uh, like learning to ride your bike. Yeah, exactly. It, it's kind of like <laughs> just slowly released you and you look back and all of a sudden you're riding on two wheels by yourself. It, and what, because it, I was going to say, if you can't like, there's some emotional stuff early on, like when he's getting ready to leave and Murph like is like inconsolable uh, and she pushes him away. Like, like that's sad. And me, like I don't know, like maybe for some people, like you'd have to be a parent for whatever reason. Like I, obviously, I'm not, but like, like I thought that was sad, but I wouldn't say that that was like that didn't really grab me too much. Like it was like okay, like yeah, sure, yeah. But by the time, and like this is like briefest, we're not really fully lifting the veil, right? By the time he's getting messages from them in space after they've gone through the wormhole, like mm-hmm. if you can't access that. In yourself, in those <laughs> you're dead inside. <laughs> it's not that you're dead inside per se, although that is possible. Like, that's not a failing of the script. It's a failing on your part, not an irreparable one, not a permanent one. But like, it's it's meeting you halfway. You have to meet it halfway. Mm-hmm. Is kind of how I viewed it. And for me, I want. To especially if the movie is any sort of good, I want to give myself over to. I want to suspend disbelief. I want to be. I view movies as a communal thing, both with the people you're watching and discussing with, and the movie or TV is a relationship between you and the screen. Mm-hmm. And I want to embrace whatever is coming out of it. I want to be a part of it. And so, what you put there for me, I will reach out and grab if it's if it's good and. Mm. This is a good movie, and it it is well written, and that moment is powerful if you let it be. Sure. So, so this movie has um, varying timelines, uh, different subject matter. Even though we're spending most of our time in a space station, um, do, can we go through this in a somewhat chronological manner, to, so that yeah. we can kind of just all hit points as we go. I'm fine with that. We generally do, although we are okay. known for our wild tangents. But um, oh no, that's fine. I'm down for that. So we generally but. start with pre-spoiler stuff. Although for older movies, that is a typically a very short period of time. We lift the veil and then we just go. Yeah. Okay. So uh, oh, actually, we can we can probably lift the veil sooner rather than later since the movie came out in 2014. You, you've had years. If you if you watch the show, you or listen to the show, you've probably seen it, <laughs> like, right? I mean, like it's otherwise it's worth seeing before before going further. Um, it's funny for me. It's not even so much about where it goes. Where it goes is very interesting. I the, it is the journey. The whole the whole journey is amazing. And upon rewatching that movie, I've seen it probably four or five times at this point. And mm-hmm. same the so many decisions make more sense after the fact, and that's just because of the the like you've had enough time to live with these characters, right? Uh, you just like clear point, Al. You mentioned hey, uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey's character Cooper leaving Murph behind. I uh, it in the moment, the first time you're watching it, it seems a little abrupt, but upon further rewatching and seeing who he is as a character, makes total sense that he would do that. He's especially he has a he has a monologue later on explaining 
the, the like decision to like keeping your kids safe and all this stuff and it it really does it's it's very heavy it's very short which actually a lot a lot of the like a, a lot of like the monologue deliveries are almost like one-liners but they're like well they're very powerful say, it, <laughs> it, sh- it shows you the strengths and weaknesses of that particular character because he chooses at a moment's notice this is the only way to save my children this is my only way to save the world that my children live on. I'm going to go do it. No matter what it costs me. Mm-hmm. And that is commendable. But it also shows you the shortcoming of the character. Because he can't... Commu- he doesn't even try to communicate that to her. And that is the cause of their rift that spans her entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. Well, he explains go why he doesn't, he doesn't explain it to her. Go, sorry, go ahead, Caleb. Oh, so... Well... So this movie is is visually uh, being uh, having been released in 2014. Um, obviously, every year, every few years, we, we make leaps and bounds visually. Uh, this movie is still holds up. Oh yeah, this movie is strong. It looks so um, good. <laughs> it looks, I, well, I watched it in 4K, so that was a, a treat for that to be my first experience. Okay, so, so it's good to know. It, it's good to know that as well. I don't have a 4K, so to hear that Ugh. part is, is also amazing. Um, this movie is very visually strong. I'm sure we'll talk about some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel that um, as far as just uh, written-wise, this is some of his stronger work. I think that he relays a lot of strong and emotional information very quickly and very shorthand. And I think that that's a huge reason why. I didn't know that when I first watched it, but on the rewatch... Writing down some of these lines, mm. which as we go through, like I've written down some that really stood out to me. I mean, it's it's really well written. Yeah, and it's it's and it's very shorthand, and but it's very effective, and I think that's a huge part of why this movie is a nine a nine out of ten, a ten out of ten. Yeah. Uh, you know, even Al Al's got the harder scale, but mm-hmm. eight point five on Al scale, that's up there. Yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. It's funny. Yeah, I, I think it'd be the type of thing where if I'd seen it multiple times maybe i would have been more but just maybe. like sight unseen the first time i'm watching it there was a couple of things that were ever so slightly ever so slightly clunky that just dings it a little bit um and I agree ultimately with that. even though i i i liked and appreciated respected understood the slower pacing they they could have tightened it a smidge because it is a long movie it doesn't quite justify it but like i'm talking that- about like could they have trimmed ten minutes? You know what I mean. Like that's, that's not, interesting. Like, um, I you 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 might be right. Uh, I do think that there was a there is a reason behind that though. And there is while you said that you you called the movie a slow burn, it is that it's a slow burn the whole way through. Uh, I like the slow burn in this particular case. Um, the, I do think it was a, an apt choice for the it, story. It was. Though. I don't think that, and the pacing is not erratic in any way though. It is the same no, pace consistent. the entire way through the movie, which is it has is a lot a to do with the time that they're exploring. <laughs> sure. So it's definitely, it definitely, you know, if an ad came up as when your Netflix went, when your uh, Amazon Fire Stick went to sleep and it was describing a movie that just came on Netflix with the three words at the bottom, it would say slow burn for sure. <laughs> but I, but I, but it never gets so hot as it hurts me. That's how I feel. Sure. So it, I actually wrote uh, down that I thought this movie was incredibly paced. I thought that there Same. were times when it did feel like it was getting a little long but at, at times. But then right, right at that point, he does some shorthand stuff where normally he might actually indulge 
in some of those transitions, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some time. So if we start around the beginning of the movie, somewhat, yeah. like, um, oh, I, actually, sorry, w- one second before you say anything. Oh, yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Let, well, no, let's no do. Yeah, yeah. Let's no. Let's do. Let's just say the veil is lifted. We gave you our reviews. If you haven't seen it by now, <laughs> go see it. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want you to have to beat around the bush. I really want to talk about the movie. So, so, yeah. so don't. So Meat don't. Potatoes. Yeah. Baby. Don't. Don't hold back. <laughs> All right, so I made a couple notes about just the pacing is well done. Um, I think the transitions that he chooses when he chooses them are extremely effective, and it doesn't take away from the important emotional parts. Mm -hmm. So, um, for instance, I mean, I I would go even earlier than even earlier than him leaving Murph. Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's a scene that we all feel should be emotionally stronger, and I think it bothers us because it's not. And I think, like you said, Ant, that definitely has something to do with Cooper's personality sure. and his and his character for sure. Um, the thing that the thing that was awesome to me, and this comes down to the writing, um, in the first minute and fifty eight seconds of this movie, it literally slaps us in the face with the twist to the entire movie, which is classic Nolan. Mm-hmm. He literally says he wakes up from a nightmare. We see him. We see him uh, on his ship in his past, his past job, mm-hmm. which we know nothing about. So we're like, "What? The oh my god! Like this guy, what's going on here?" He literally wakes up in a cold sweat. Murph walks in the room, and then we, the, the, like the first lines of the movie we hear is, "She walks in, Murph. What's wrong?" She says, "I thought we, I thought you were the ghost." Yeah, yeah. Literally, literally, not even the two minute mark. The like, yep. That and you know what's and, funny? That's that's super. That is super early. That's not the. That is the. That's the first scene with our main. Uh, what we assume will be our main characters going forward. The actual first scene of the movie is is completely black with a voiceover, and you don't find out until the end of the movie that that's old Murph. That's crazy. <laughs> that's true. I actually didn't, it, yep. I didn't well, even catch funny, that. Wait, See, it, four it, times watching it's it. It's crazy. I, I it. No, but you're right. I so, thought I thought it, the the ghost thing that actually that this time watching was the first time I caught that line. I have that too, wait, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> was was that was that the voiceover you're talking about? Was that when they were showing like the clips yeah. from like the like the video? Like, yes. So the funny thing is, I actually picked that out immediately. The 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 one who's old lady is like. That's gonna be her as an old woman. Like, so as soon as I saw it, I was like, because they did the visual language that they use in this movie in a lot of scenes is really great. The young actress Jessica Chastain and then the the older actress. There are there are strong points of commonality between their facial structure. Obviously, the two younger actresses have the red hair, but the the physical features of their face are very similar, mm-hmm. and the way they keep their hair. As soon as she came on screen in that, I was like, that's going to be her as an older like lady rec- recounting this transcendent experience across her lifetime. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> nah, yeah. I mean, uh, that that alone, like literally, like I was like sitting down to, you know, the first time on the podcast, I wanted to bring something, you know, because you guys are the pros here. But I... <laughs> I, I was like, I'm like, you know, don't take too many notes here. But the first two minutes, I'm so like, good. I have to take a freaking note. Yeah, like, I have to. So yeah, I mean that part. And then the other part is, I think that I think the part of this mo- movie that makes it so impressionable is that it's so somehow, even though the subject matter they're dealing with is so beyond where we're at right now, um, and kind of further than I hope we ever get. 
it's so grounded in reality to a certain extent the way that he built this world and the way it works and the machinery and all this which we can talk more about tars and the actual robots and all these things Mm -hmm. uh the way that he also does this in a subtle manner is when you're watching the beginning of this movie the clips that you're seeing of these older people recounting this hardship is is legitimate clips of dust bowl survivors from a 2012 documentary it's so crazy and like th- and it comes <laughs> it across, fits though, so well for, <laughs> exactly and you're just like the first time first time watching you would never uh, he ripped the documentary and put it in the movie but it, it's incredible and these are yeah. the little things he does i just think that this movie is so cleverly done well so y- clever. you know what all, like to that to that point though like pulling that footage to do that and then also shooting something that looks exactly like it like that's re- come on Come on. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's a lot of things, and like you said, even just in the first few minutes, that when you re-examine it as you've gone through the movie, as I was saying with like the visual language, the first when we see his dream with the crash, that exact scene, that exact angle that they're showing the shuttle, is the exact one they show multiple times on the other planets later on. Mm-hmm. So it already puts it in your mind. Is that a dream of a memory that haunts him or is it foreshadowing to something that'll come later you'll only realize it once you get into those scenes later you're like was that something from the future or something from his past or something imagined or what because and it's that's a choice right is to keep shooting the shuttle from that particular angle that close up in different atmospheres you know because you can start to do the reality bleeds to a certain extent, right? You're not entirely sure what we can we trust what we've seen a hundred percent. Not an unreliable yeah. narrator per se, but like it's the tricks of that sort of thing. And even what you mentioned, um, that first line where you know I thought you were the ghost, right? It reminds me of, and I've not been good at this yet. I imagine as we continue on with this show and with some of these movies, especially as we stick with directors we really enjoy, right? I'm not always good at picking out things that evolve or carry through in like because that's really deep like like cinematography like cinephile stuff right like of like things that get carried through I think of it the prestige the very beginning the voiceover where mm. he's where Christian Bale mm-hmm. says you know what are you watching you know you know pay close attention I forget exactly how he says it. I know I'm powerful <laughs> literally but, asking the viewer yeah yeah, are are you watching closely? Like you know, pay close attention. And now, <laughs> dirty Nolan. The evolution to instead of literally having to say pay attention, it's you better be paying attention because one of the first things we'll do, and it's the same thing early in Inception. Like there's stuff like that. I'm, I've been a while since I watched the beginning of that movie, but I know there's stuff like that at the beginning of that movie as well. Where if you're not watching from the second the credits end, watching closely, he. He wants to keep you guessing, but he won't be upset if you get it because it means you were watching right. closely. It means you were paying attention. It's just that um, I've given you everything that you need. So if you haven't figured it out, you weren't paying attention. <laughs> yeah. And you know who you're messing with, too. The, the <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> the, there's also... I, I actually... I really do... There's something... It's really fun. I, I 
we watch so many movies, right? Uh, Al and I, Caleb, it sounds like you watch a lot of movies yourself. Uh, I'm, you're constantly thinking ahead. Where's this going? Making guesses most of the time, right? Because a lot of stuff, as you mentioned earlier, is not original. Um, you, it's it's easy to see where something's going to go, right? I really, I I like, I really like when I don't see where something's going to go. That I love getting caught by surprise. Even more so, I like when. I didn't know, but you figure it out just before it happens because you've pieced it all together in the run-up. And that build-up that you get as something is unveiling is like, oh, God. And, like, there it is. It's happening. <laughs> it's like, and you're like, ah, ah. like you want to spit it out right before they show it to you. And he does. That's his style. That's what he does. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah, you're you're living in the movie. Yeah, and that that is a that is a very strong way. And that means that it's either well-paced or well-written. Mm-hmm. Or both. Well, that, we were talking about <laughs> Annihilation earlier, and that's why that movie stuck with me so much. Is the first time I saw it, and I mentioned it when we did our episode on that one. Um, that is one of the very few movies of recent vintage where I truly didn't know what was coming next the majority of the time. Most of the movies that we watch, I can figure out 90 to 95% of it before any of it ever happens. Sure. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like... It's because we watch so many movies, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's a language. As, Film is a language. Yeah, as, exactly. Um, so to be able to fly so far in the face of expectation um, is a real treat when you get those types of movies. And this movie, actually, I mean, I, a lot of it I, I did see coming. I figured it out, like I said, some of the visual language stuff, some of the Nolanography. Um, there were certain things. Hell, I'll just throw it out here. Um, the second Wes Bentley showed up on the screen, I was like, oh, he's going to die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second that they went into space and, um, what's his name? Not David Oyelowo. Um, da- uh, uh, David Gayasi. The second he gets nauseous, it's like, oh, he's going to die too. Fantastic. <laughs> 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 like, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, the guy who says I've got a bad feeling about this, he always dies. The guy who's struggling to hold up to the, it's like, no, he's just not going to make it. Like, and it's a shame because... C- crewman number six. He's going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, something that I noticed this time around, uh, we don't get a year, right? We don't have like a... You make some assumptions about the time that it's taking place, but you never really get it. They don't give you a year, I don't think. I don't think so. So, not I, no. I, if if we do, I missed it as well. Going through, no, it, and they don't even say like in the near future or in the distant future. It's just it just is. Yeah, I got the I, I got do, the. I do like that though. Yeah. Oh, me, me too. It makes me think about like where this is taking place, right? Like who, like and it, it it's also always I feel in film we're always in behind where we will be mm-hmm. it, 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 up to a certain point i mean up until the 90s up and honestly till the 2000s look at almost any any 80s movie any 90s movie they are they're like they're short throwing mm-hmm. into the future like well look at look at break uh look at not breaking look at blade runner or back to the future both 80s movies sci-fi both of those movies took place like now and they're exactly. nearly infinitely more futuristic than we are in yeah. real life, right? Well, I feel I just feel like when you put a time stamp, I think it was smart of Nolan for this film to not you. I feel like lesser directors like using year marks. They like saying this is twenty thirty two. Like, but the thing is that gives us 
a timestamp where we can decide as the viewer, do we agree with this or not? Do we think this is going to actually be like this at this time mm-hmm. or is it not? It's actually stronger to just be, this is a time. What do you think it is? There's there's Dust Bowl stuff going on, which took place in the 1930s. Meanwhile, we are uh, we have we have monolithic robots that can talk to us and we can adjust their emotional settings. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I think that's a stronger way to do it. Great character, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Tars. Uh, that, that was a great we'll, scene. We'll at talk the about yeah. set so, humor to uh, whatever seventy percent. Yeah. Uh, 65. You're talking yourself into 55. So, <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. The, so, as you were saying, the, the, as well, you were saying, you, no year. Yeah, well, the reason why I was asking is because there was uh, something hit me this time around watching it where I actually felt like there was. I, I felt like what I what I got out of it was that we, like, our, like, John Lithgow is our generation. That's what I got out of it. I don't know what made me think about that. There were certain things that went on That's interesting. in the movie. It's funny because I actually thought McConaughey was our generation. Yeah. I, I felt like based on the tech, I feel like we're not there enough that in 10, well, yeah, like 10 years or so, depending on how old he is, because uh, Meth McConaughey doesn't age. Um, it, it's, <laughs> it, like, is it is it going to be... Is it going to be him? And I feel like it's the, like it's too far out for some of the stuff that they were doing is too far out for us to be him. But I thought it may be not far out enough, like far out enough that it could be Lithgow that is us. That's why I was. I, I don't well, know. Well, he's there. he's like yeah, but the problem is that truck is like contemporary with like trucks that we have right now. You know what I mean? Like the truck he was driving around. Mm-hmm. Um, the the like he's what like fifty now in real life, and when I say contemporary with us, I mean like. Like, he would have... Because, like, I know, like, the, the... You're talking about only 20 years now, but that movie came out five years, six years ago. Like, so, like, contemporary with where we would have been then, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so, call it maybe a 25-yard span from when the movie came out. Um, yeah. That's somewhat realistic. But even if it's 35 years, like, whatever. Like, that's not... Like, I, I felt like we're closer to him than to Lithgow, is, I guess, what I was... I would mm. I would say... Because because the way he talks about like MRIs like like they didn't sound super futuristic where there was a ton of expansion into that you know what I no mean? the point about the MRI thing which I also also think might fit with what you were saying about the car is that they stopped making certain things because they needed to make like farming equipment and other stuff I don't know that's that's what I I think we're agreeing even oh. though we're saying it different ways is like there didn't seem like an extrapolation on that technology. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you said, that, like, they put kind of a hard cap on what, how much farther they went with it. So, that technology was contemporary with us. So, even if we're off by five years-ish, you know what I mean? Like, right. that's kind of, like, the, the point. Like, it was still something, like, it wasn't like a, when I was a kid, there was MRI. No, my wife could have used one, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he remembers MRIs. Yeah. Like, it's not like a distant, hazy memory. It's something that's a good marker. That he grew up knowing. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good marker. I hadn't even thought about like the actual voices and what they were, who they were meant to portray. You know, as far as generationally, mm-hmm. but that that the, the MRI part is definitely that would probably be. I, I would say that's probably one of the only markers we really have aside from the drones. I mean, well, you I mean, you dro- got up drones for a second. Are drones, so that could be any time in the future. You you got up for a second, but I also mentioned his truck was one of those contemporary with our yeah. trucks as yep. well. So yeah, um, one so. 
this, that was what I started to zone in like uh, on his world building in the movie, which um, maybe more so than usual. Like he really, really took his time. Um, again, we said thirty something minutes before we we go to space in a movie that's titled Interstellar. So like, there's you you take your time, you learn the character, you learn the space. Um, a handful of things that I really enjoyed. The uh, we, we talked about the the uh, the short statements that he'll make right to really build something out in this one. Just the line that last season for Okra, like getting this concept, like this is the norm. These are the types of things that are happening. And just like, that's like, it's, it seems throwaway, but it really does build the everything around them and what's going on. And, and then this, and that, uh, that's a, uh, a great point. I mean, that feeds into the whole, wa- the rewatchability of this movie mm-hmm. and, and the fact that you have to rewatch it. That's why, even though you watch it and the plot twist might be, you know you know what happens um it it's it's still you can keep rewatching it because these are the lines though these are the lines that that make you think and these are the lines that help you place time yeah and, and help you find a place as to when is this happening and how is this world where's this world going mm-hmm. what kind of dire times are we in you know well it, there was something really to like what you were saying that one line is at one hand like it's it's what level of like depth you want to go into it right and this what i was making the point with like the emotional core of the movie is like is what you're willing to bring to the table to match it if you want to just take it at face value oh that's it for okra right and it's like man that's crazy which it is but then like take it a little bit further there's a level of disbelief in the way it's delivered but it's also not it's I'm shocked but not surprised mm-hmm. type of thing. Like, I saw it coming, just I was hoping it wouldn't come so quickly, right? Right. And then, take it another level further, it's... Oh, this isn't the first time a crop has ceased to exist on the planet. It'll never be again. Mm-hmm. Wheat has not existed for five years, or whatever. Like, something like that. Okra no longer exists, and it never will again. All we have to eat, really, is corn. And that's on its way out, too. Like, for just the utter, like, lack of existence of staple crops going forward. And there's not panic, not real panic involved. There's like, well, you you should have grown corn, or we'll just grow more corn. We'll get through it. Like, there wasn't a panic of, holy fuck, that's the last time anyone will ever eat okra. Mm -hmm. Like, could could you imagine today, if someone said to you, now, let's... Let's swap out okra for wheat, right? Guys, the last wheat crop died. Huh, wait, like in New York? No, no. Ever. <laughs> Doesn't exist. All no more wheat. bread. No more bread. No more anything. It's gone. We're going to have to make everything with corn and barley now. Like, fuck, really? Mm-hmm. No, no wheat ever on the entire gigantic planet that we have? Not a single more wheat? That's <laughs> revelatory, right? I was something about the way you phrased that. Not a single I know, more I should, wheat. I, should, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have gone for the funny phrase. That could be uh, totally Al Ale's uh, serial venture. A single more wheat by Al Dale. He's been but eating his a single more wheats. Think about how revelatory that sentence is. Yeah. No more wheat, and how they just powered right through it. Like, which shows you how commonplace that sort of thing is. So that's three levels right there. 
to just how deep you want to engage it on like that that some of these yeah. things work on so many different levels it that is the world building you're talking about yep mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. yeah and talking about wheat and corn um <laughs> so moving into that the, 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 the a little bit further into the sequence of the movie yeah. um the corn chase yeah, he- so, heavy agriculture yeah yeah so the corn chase is the first time that we hear the theme Mm, yep yeah so can we without we can uh we can talk maybe more about the act like more really in depth about the music but as far as just like the way that they sprinkle the the soundtrack into this movie is also one of the best done that i've ever ever watched and 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 you you posted in the slack earlier today the soundtrack of this movie and I was just so happy. Number one, that you had Spotify because <laughs> I don't know why it just it, it just irks me when people send me a, an Apple Music link. I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not about it. Um, I have an iPhone, but I am I am literally a diehard Spotify <laughs> guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes up all my screen time every week when I get nice. that weekly update on screen time. So when you sent that, I was like, "Yep, I've already listened to this whole thing multiple times." I'm like, "This is this is my type of jam. Like, this is great." Oh, and yeah. then when you said you were working to it, I was like, "He's gonna get all his work." The the like the movie the scores are my focus it. tracks. It's so, uh, there's a there's a this is Hans Zimmer playlist that is just. <laughs> yeah, chef's kiss for all the viewers that can't see <laughs> no yeah so that 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 cornfield chase this is the first time that we get the sprinkling of that um the organ mm-hmm. um which is the primary instrument on the soundtrack and from that second like one of the notes that i had made was it gets me mm. like that organ and that soundtrack in that moment, without even knowing where this movie's gonna go the first time I watched it, like I'm watching a dude with a flat tire and an old pickup truck and his two kids just gun it through a cornfield. And, and I'm so interested. <laughs> Why am I so I'm, interested? <laughs> I'm in. Like I'm in. Well that that really is one of like a, a like a strong example of the power of that score and and how they choose to deploy it in its various because there are some variations on it right how they choose to deploy its various um aspects because without that importance of the introduction of that theme that's probably one of the scenes you could have omitted really like it doesn't really matter all that much because the drone thing never comes back up again No, no, it doesn't. I mean, the most that you, the most that you can really like squeeze out of that scene is um, a little bit of the relationship between like father daughter teaching her things, and, but and it gives you a little bit of a stronger background on how tech savvy and how uh, like um, how how crafty Cooper is. Yeah, and and it kind of like adds another layer to his to his background, which up until that point, other than his dream sequence, you really don't get much of that. Um, but other than that, like you said, I mean, you're 100 percent correct. That scene could be gone. There's plenty of other, there's plenty of other information in the movie that would help you piece that together. That's true. I guess I just there were other scenes that showed the mentor relationship between him and his daughter, and other scenes that showed or told about his prowess with technology. Where if it wasn't for the first time where you get just a little bit of juice in what's going on race through the cornfields, flat tire, switching drivers, hacking a thing, like, and that giving you an excuse to deploy the theme for the first time in earnest, outside of that, like, it's really just a kind of like a 
like a thematic choice. Like it doesn't need oh, to yeah. be in there for the story. And there's also if uh, his son was a little hot on that gas pedal, if he hadn't kind of <laughs> given over, that man. A, a little, I, I put a note there. Uh, movie ends here. <laughs> so so I've also actually... is that the exact same cliff that was the scene from Thor Ragnarok when they like track down like <laughs> Anthony Hopkins and then like Odin dies and then Hela shows up for the first time. I think it's the exact same <laughs> clip. Uh, Who know? Who's to say? I so. Oh my god, <laughs> so ridiculous. If, so I've I've talked to Al. You probably heard this before too, Caleb. But I've been saying for years now. I want somebody to make the movie that is hyper realistic, and in that first five minutes when the person makes like. Does the ridiculous yeah. thing? It, they die, or it's over, you get, you and the credits roll. The right? I want that. I, you got to walk out of the this. This movie. This is the closest that we're gonna get. Is Christopher Nolan giving you the ending of the movie within the first three minutes? On a rewatch, you could pick it up, right? But, but not, but not, not, not the first yeah. time. But I feel like this is as close as I'm gonna get to that. Maybe one day we'll yeah. have enough money to do this. But again, the whole thing it has to be sold well. Right, it's gotta it's gotta be listed with a really long runtime, like an hour, maybe an hour and thirty, hour and forty five. But the movie ends in, in in five minutes. But then it's like credits, and then it's black for just an hour. Like just we need to kickstart. <laughs> we, kick we need to kickstart this movie. <laughs> and a little a little factoid, if you want to look it up, it's worth it's worth a read. Um, this was going to be a Steven Spielberg film. Yeah. Uh. If you read the, the the plot to this film, it is literally hilarious. It's it's like take Nolan's film and then Spielbergize it in every way that you would imagine. You'll literally laugh. I would encourage you to look it up. Spielbergize. Look look it up online. You will not regret it. It's hilarious. Oh, well, I'm gonna have to now. But <laughs> but um, oh, when we were while we we're changing the tire, which we never which we never do change. To be clear. No. Yeah, I wrote a note about that too. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I don't know how that's going to work here. You might want to change Talking, that tire. Now that you mentioned how are things going to work, how does Timothy Chalamet grow up to look like Casey Affleck? Oh my God. So that's a great, that's exactly where I was about he's to go. He's so dead on. I, I I thought that too. I was like, I was watching that scene when he's talking to him and he's he's doing the, the whole underbite thing, the Affleck underbite, and he's going, Timothy Chalamet's doing this. <laughs> And he's like, and he's saying something. I was like, wow. I was like, I, I turned to Kim. I was like, I could actually see him growing up to be Casey Affleck. And she, she goes, he Haha. sounds like him. Yeah. She goes, huh, that's but funny. That that just comes down to like the acting chops of Timothy Chalamet. She, who, oh yeah. It's funny because I was watching and I was like, he reminds me of Timothy Chalamet, but I feel like I would know if he was in this movie. Um, and it turns out it is him, and I just didn't know he was in this movie. Hundred percent. But I said that. And but Kim, that's like Kim that's laughed. not flattering. Little, uh, to Timothy Chalamet bowl cut. Kim, Kim, Kim laughs at it, and she. But I, I didn't realize that she didn't remember that. She just thought I was saying that. She didn't remember that Casey Affleck was in the movie later. <laughs> that's awesome. And then when it came, well, she the goes. Thing is, oh. I didn't know he was in that either. So <laughs> that's hilarious. So anyway, to, cl- to finish off my point about Timothy Chalamet and Casey Affleck, I'm just really confused. I guess it worked because, like you said, he does the Affleck underbite, but, like, why would you inflict that upon Timothy Chalamet? Why would you inflict Listen, that association, like, that whole, like, general curse? You, you just, you're just trying to bait me. Affleck? You know I, I like the Afflecks, and you don't. We get it. Like we get ben it. I, don't, I know you like Ben Affleck. I don't actually know your thoughts on Casey. He's, I, he's fine. I mean, he's, he's a lesser actor of already a bad actor. A lesser looking dude. Also... 
a dude who has been kind of credibly accused of, if not assault, harassment, like, just generally not a great person to be compared to. And, like, Timothy Chalamet is quite an actor. He is also considered fairly attractive. Why would they do that you're, to him? You're conflating actors and the characters they're Why playing. would they do that to the boy? <laughs> Why would they do that to the boy? I think, I think, we've, given, I think we've given both Afflecks uh, far too much audio time here. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Uh, so, okay. Again, still half hour, first half hour of the movie. We got a lot of time to live with the family. I really liked that. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me this watch uh, was we are we are setting you up to understand that these kids have deal have to deal with abandonment in multiple or, and are going to in multiple multiple times throughout their life right and not not like by uh not like shitty for shitty reasons well for shitty reasons but not like uh shitty choices like their mother died of cancer their father is going to save the world they don't know the the stakes really that he's going through for that uh we realize that with them being left with their grandfather and this is going to take some time they're going to eventually be left alone because the grandfather's he's getting up there and he doesn't seem like he's overly healthy and nobody in this time seems like they're going to really last that long with all that dust kicking up so oh my god that that just reminded me of in in a couple of years ago or several years ago now i guess in, in curb enthusiasm when when bob einstein's character marty funkhauser his his mother and his father both passed on the show but he's like a 60 year old man <laughs> and he says, I'm an orphan. <laughs> and Larry goes, can you be an orphan like at this point in your life? <laughs> oh, man. That's so stupid. I, I do need to watch that, too. But anyway, you're, you're getting set up. <clears throat> you you kind of realize these kids are going to experience a great deal of loss. Uh, it turns out that uh, they experience even more with um, the boy's first son. Which is, again, uh, uh, I know we're jumping, <laughs> jumping ahead a little bit here. That's another thing. If you're not fully paying attention, you can kind of miss what happened there. The fir- You missed it? Yeah, me. The first time it yeah. said, with it's... Jesse? Yeah. Uh, he's buried out back with Jesse and Mom. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know who Jesse was. You don't know in that and, scene. Yeah, like, because he says it, and I was like, am I supposed to know who Jesse is? And then later, when Murph says something about it, I was like... You're just gonna. Oh, so I guess he has son. When she when or? she says so. you're gonna wait for another one of your kids to die, and then there's a pause so that the audience can go, oh. <laughs> yeah. So like, you remember how I said earlier there are some very slight clunky things? That was one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like kind of reading into like, well, you know, something that kind of pertains to that a little bit. It's interesting because some of the dialogue between the characters in the beginning in that first half hour that we're kind of touching on. Um, one of the other lines, uh, that really stood out to me was once you're a parent, you're the ghost of your parents. You're the ghost of your children's future. Mm -hmm. And he says that to Murph before he leaves. And then another line that follows that right up is I can't be your ghost right now. I have to exist. They chose me. And, Practically and, screaming it at us at all the, times. Exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, it's emotionally very strong. You're like, it takes you a second to think about these things. But <laughs> this whole theme with ghosts and parents and children, I mean, even what, even what, um, what's uh, the son's name? I don't remember. What is the son's name? The, his, 
I, I mean, I know his his I know his kid's name, but Jesse. But yeah, just knowing the things that are going to affect like uh, his son's character, Tom. Both, even though we don't, really, sir, Tom. Okay, <laughs> so we don't get we get enough we get enough shorthand character development with Tom between you know um, various parts of the movie, but um, just this whole idea of like legacy and and parents and children. It, it's some of the strongest stuff in the movie and a lot of it is related in just these subtle bits of dialogue that you could easily look over uh if you are not either if you're not paying attention or if you just it just takes time you just got to let it wash over you more than once and that's the whole it's constantly going back to this rewatchability of this movie and it can get a little slow but when you're when you've seen it before and you have the background and base knowledge of all of it, it almost becomes more fun to watch it because you're you can finally focus. It's it's such a physical. Uh, it's such a sorry a, a visual, um, like masterpiece. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to get past that visual point and then just sit on the words. Once Ugh. again, just another another check mark towards that. The writing is incredible. I don't know what. <laughs> Also, is he trolling us at this point with the whole like, I'm not your ghost. I like you know, parents are the ghosts of you know children's future, or whatever. The whole thing with the dead wives and all of his movies. Like, is it just is he trolling us at this point? Yeah. <laughs> that is a, that is, oh, like like in five years from now when he gets arrested for the murder of his wife, we'll all be like, well, he wrote it in the, in the reality. Yeah, people have been asking about it a million times because like his mom didn't die like tragically when he was young. His wife is still alive. Like. And he's like, I think he basically said, yeah, I'm not entirely sure why that keeps happening. It's like, well, that keeps happening because you keep writing. <laughs> maybe, like, it's a, maybe it's a fear. And also, you know. Interesting. Interesting. I, you know, he might have ultimately said that. I, I forget. Um, and that would make sense, obviously. Like, you know, what's like the thing that, you know, would like you fear most? It's like, oh, yeah, like my, yeah. my, my wife dying. Which, totally yeah. rational, you know, or well, not rational, but totally understandable, you know, fear. Like, you certainly don't want the people you love to die, so... So yeah, no, absolutely. So starting to get more into the, like the meat and potatoes of this movie, uh, we you know we stumble upon right. this base. No, no, no. We're, we're living quick. in a post meat and potatoes world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's not a lot of meat potatoes. Well, there's meat and potatoes. There's just no. Po- there's just no toilet paper. Oh god. Or, or switches. No, was no, wait, was that a corn meant, souffle meant, in that final dinner sequence? That's what I. Was- <laughs> That was what I meant. I didn't mean this world. Oh, I meant that world. They only have corn. There is no meat and potatoes. Dude, I swear I was like, wait a minute. Is this family sitting down to a corn souffle with a side of corn? <laughs> I, in very, uh, what is it, Big Daddy style, I uh, see Buscemi so writing down person. on my notebook in that moment, corn I'm souffle. S- <laughs> So glad I'm not the only person who thought of that. Before we, uh, before yeah. you know, Taylor, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you finish. Before we move on to to the because this is exactly that is exactly where this movie takes off. Um, right before that, the the, the piece that I feel like what? She said that's exactly where the movie takes off. I said the corn to fly. <laughs> no. Oh my god. No no no. But it, but it's probably about the 30, 30 minute mark. I don't know somewhere around there. Um, the, uh, the, my thing with this is like the pacing. Like I said, I don't really agree with um, the this pacing being an issue in this movie. Uh, I 
felt that at a few points when when he would normally indulge and draw it out he actually did really nice shots that that just bled perfectly into mm. like the next portion of the movie so it's almost feeling like these nice clips where you're moving along and one of them was when he leaves and says goodbye to murph um, it does a clip where it shows him walking outside, getting in his truck. Murph comes out to like longingly kind of wish that she hadn't been a brat and not said goodbye to her father. And it starts the sound of the thrusters taking off. Mm-hmm. And it starts with the five, four, three. And it shows him. And it's it's McConaughey doing his thing, which is pheno- he's phenomenal in yep. this movie. Um, and he's getting the tears. And you almost feel like you're watching a Lincoln commercial with a little more emotion. <laughs> <laughs> but oh man but this should definitely have been like a little lincoln badge on the front of that that would have been beautiful exactly that would have been beautiful. um but i think they saw how emotionally he can drive a car and i think that's why they <laughs> wound up <laughs> so anyway but that scene um it, it it hard clips with the voiceover overlapping the scene of him driving away from his daughter and now we are in get ready for space yeah like and this is when the movie really takes off. So yeah, uh, that's, no, 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 just, that's that, I really love that scene and that that hard. It's cut. it's amazing. The, uh, that actually leads directly to the scene that I wanted to talk about, which is kind of our first yep. real, uh, our real silly moment in space, and it's it's with Tars when that's when we first learn about his humor setting, right? Being at a hundred percent, we tone it down to seventy five or whatever it is, wherever we wherever we lower it. That whole conversation is amazing, and it's like it really does make you think. The first of bringing the humor setting down, great, right? Because like let's let's not turn it off because we're gonna need that because it's gonna be it's gonna be a dark few years. <laughs> so there's one. Two, the uh, the honesty setting being at ninety percent. Like obviously the first gla- at first glance, first watch, you have the same reaction Cooper does, right? You're like, uh, no robot, <laughs> I would like to know what's happening. It's like, do hey, you robot, want to know? <laughs> and then the discretion setting don't was really good, me. too. Uh, they, don't, they don't lean into the discretion setting too much, but it I think there's a reason that they bring up that he has one, is uh, some of the other choices that he makes, that, that, that like he makes, I should like the robot does. Or how, how about the utter lack of discretion that Case has when he decides, hey, you guys are having a really important conversation. By the way, here's a message about your dad dying. Like, mm, mm, discretion. No, I actually... Uh, we I, do that at a less important time. I actually think... Well, there was a, there's, there's two reasons behind that one. First one is that uh, the message was important to the person. So, like, it seemed like maybe the discretion setting there was like a hu- almost like a humanity setting, right? Of, like, you would probably want to know this information as soon as I have it. No, 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 real, no. That's the, the empathy setting. Is, uh, the empathy setting is entirely different than the discretion setting. The d- the discretion setting should have said they're in the middle of really important space <laughs> stuff, really important science stuff. Well, let's wait to tell them about the dead dad. Now, from a plot perspective, totally understand it's super important to to just fucking just fling the table up. In no, the air no, 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 no. Hang but, on, hang on. You're talking. Actually, it makes it makes even more sense now that you say that because if it analyze the message it knows that there's information about their mission that they don't have so it has to give it to them right now while they're making plans i guess so but the plans at that point <laughs> the case, case doesn't know that matt damon is going to betray them so case could have just said well they're where they're here time is relatively normal on this planet there is no rush what's the difference between me giving them this message an hour from now 
Like, it's different than if they were on the first planet where an hour is seven years or whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, w- realistically, it was it was just to push the plot forward. But, uh, That's <laughs> but it's saying. excusable. The discretion setting, <laughs> I'm calling bullshit on the discretion setting. <laughs> I will. The uh, I like that uh, they don't, we don't really dive too much into a trust setting, but the fact that Tars disables <laughs> the uh, the auto dock feature of the ship really great. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, absolutely. these characters, these these. Uh, robotic characters are amazing and they're huge parts of the movie so, i mean huge. oh yeah well so uh, um, when we were getting up into the ship i was i was thinking like the first time it takes off and like you know the characters are starting to communicate a little bit more like in their element in the ship i was thinking to myself what movies like what awards was this movie up for uh it turns out not enough that's one that really pissed me <laughs> off um no no nod for writing or picture uh which really really bothered me that's sad. um McConaughey not up for best actor for this one, uh, though it was one of his better performances of the Fantastic. ones that he was up for that year, even, which is crazy. Which, question, what one was he up for, do you know? I believe he was up for Dallas Buyers Club that year, which, uh, oh, wow. again, okay, was wow. the same year? He, he put in some work. It, okay, was, so yeah. <laughs> a, quick, a, a quick one. Um, I, have you, either of you seen the movie Mud? No, but that was the reason why, I, I, from what I understand, Christopher Nolan like wanted him for this role, yep. right? Yep. Yep. So that that movie, um, hey, I'd love to be on for a McConaughey series. Uh, <laughs> that movie, I love that movie, and that exactly what you said. Mm. That he was. Um, I just wanted to say he was up for because of that movie. And I'll, I would highly recommend a watch. I'll have highly to check recommend. that out because I, I I really do. I think he's tremendous in this movie. Uh, so, but so I was thinking. I was thinking. Okay, first off, it's just an atrocity that these things were. That this movie wasn't up for more. Second, I was like McConaughey should have totally been up. For best actor, there should also have been a supporting actor nominee for Bill Irwin as Tars. Hundred percent, I think. <laughs> I don't know so if I support what, that. What about I this? Gone with Chastain for supporting actress. Uh, the not I'm not there for the nominee. I do think that she was she was very good. Um, there's there wasn't enough for me to go like that award for it. Well, that's why she was supporting it. Um, so a little, a little backup to maybe sway you. Um, I would highly recommend that you check out what Bill or um, what was Bill Irwin. Yeah, what's his name? Mm-hmm. Bill Irwin. Um, I highly uh, check it out. Okay, so these tar, these tars creatures on the movie. That's a real thing. I know. <laughs> that's 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 a that's a damn near two hundred pound. Uh, stainless steel aluminum object <laughs> it, walking around with this dude wearing a gray leotard behind it. <laughs> I, I t- I'm not I'm not even kidding. It's Sorry, incredible. I was really confused because at first I thought you meant like the actual technology. I was like, no. <laughs> no, yeah. Bill yeah, Irwin he, like, is Tars in a and leotard. Then they to, like, edit you it saw out. it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, no, like the like this the 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 lengths that they went to it's it's incredible. Like both Tars and Case were both physical props, um, puppeted by Bill Irwin. That's and so cool. Literally, the, the the suit that they that Nolan decided on. They did many renderings of different materials they'd be made of. Um, they take a huge influence from like the monoliths from uh, Space Odyssey, mm. which you could probably tell. Um, he wanted them to be as like far from human as possible, just because. Because 
he didn't want that to be part of their character. He wanted you to understand they are machines. They were built for the military. He even There's a passing line in the movie where McConaughey says when he first gets uh, taken in, when he finds the NASA location, he sits there and he, he's like, how did you get these? These are retired military, um, you know, versions of a of a robot. You know, they, they don't have they're not trustworthy or whatever. He even says it in that scene. That's another little passing piece. But um, Nolan decided he loved the look of 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 uh, what was it? Um, Bill Irwin, stainless steel. Oh, as opposed to any other lighter material that oh. they could have possibly <laughs> made these things out of. <laughs> so this poor dude. This poor dude and a stuntman who helped him in portions of the movie had to literally are standing right behind the robot in like 90% of the scenes, which that alone, like anytime, uh, and this is why Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, going back to that, how I doubled up, that's why it's my favorite film because when you rely on a practical effect and you do it well and you take the time to do it well, it's always going to carry more weight than yeah. CGI. Yeah, for sure. Every well, yeah, time. it was made of stainless so, steel, so it's gonna be pretty. So hard. yeah, <laughs> I just want to say shout out, shout out to, shout out to uh, Tars and Case. Well, uh, you know what? Maybe and, and Bill Irwin. Maybe even more for reason for other actors to be uh, up for nominee nominations for this uh, if they had to act in a room where that was happening <laughs> and pull it off. <laughs> Have you ever have you ever seen the, the the behind the scenes like screenshots or video clips of Sean Gunn playing Rocket Raccoon? Yes. And, like, oh my god, so good. And he's he's like crouched yeah. out. He's walking with the rest of them. It's ridiculous. He's uh, like, how do they not make any sense to me uh, in those things? He's still way bigger. So what was the point of that? <laughs> I don't know. The, mental the, mental games. I I do love ultimately though. After all that said and done, that Cooper and Tars become like best friends through time and space, yep. <laughs> and like he like fixes him, he's tinkering on him, and he's got like a little buddy to hang out with him in his like retirement on this space station. I don't know why I thought that was kind of adorable. Yeah, it was. It was really sweet. It was no, very relationship Skywalker thing going on there. <laughs> I've I've never yeah I've never felt more emotionally attached to a block <laughs> in my life <laughs> when uh. When the uh, I know we're we're jumping all over the place, but like when the when the uh, little ship explodes because um, what's the other one's name? I can't think of his name. Uh, when Kip yes. explodes, uh, and I was oh. like, I immediate react. Oh no! There was a human being actor in that ship, <laughs> and I was more concerned about Tars. <laughs> yep. I yep. getting back to like bringing full circle like yeah, what yeah. I was talking about with David Gassi like getting killed so like mm-hmm. I was like you know what I pegged you for death immediately when you got seasick on the uh, the space sick on the uh, on the ship I was like you lasted way longer than I expected and in, in like movie years like you lasted twenty something years which super depressing that you were on that space station entirely alone for twenty three years but like. Good for you for lasting so long into the movie. I was sure you were going to die nearly as quickly, if not quicker than. It, well, especially so. because there were it was two things, right? That really that really pointed to the fact that he was going to die. One was him puking when they take off, and two was he's the guy that folds the piece of paper in half in this movie, and that guy always dies. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My my cousin Mike. Hey, Mike. Um, my my cousin Mike texted me, and he goes, Anthony. Like he, I think he both agreed and disagreed with you about. He said, like, oh, like, I think he overstated a little bit how often people do that explanation. <laughs> and did rip it off directly from, from Event Horizon. I was like, yep. you do realize, like, that's the science of the thing, right? Like, that they're both ripping it off 
from like theoretical astrophysics. Right. Like that's like a real, yeah. well, not actually real because we can't prove that it exists, but it's, it's like a, a real thing that has been like hypothesized yeah. through science, and like they're taking that from astrophysicists hypothesizing on how we might bridge the gap between our relative inability to create fuels and engines that could take us to places in a efficient from a time and like cost perspective resource perspective like a wormhole is a thing that if it could be created or discovered if it was naturally occurring or whatever that is one of the very few ways we could transcend the bounds of physical space relativity as we know it yeah and I just like that they took it a step further, and he was using that explanation to show him why it's a, why it's a sphere. Really, he really yeah. he, it and went also a little this deeper time, than this time he didn't do it on porn. Oh. It wasn't porn. Yeah. That's true. That helped. Uh, but two movies in a row. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Caleb? Uh, yeah. So I got to give a little bit of alt, even more credit to Nolan. Um, on hold on, I totally lost my. We're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. That's now. Right. Shit. Well, where we Ha ha. So there's a great line. So anyway, go ahead. There's a, there's a great line when they wake up from, like, from the cry. I think it's when they wake up from cryo sleep. And um, I, uh, Cooper's got his headphones in. He's listening to the you know like birds chirping and like all that. And... Uh, uh, you just said his name, David Gassett. What's his name in the movie? Romley. Romley is yes, starting, to, right. starting yeah. to lose it, right? He's like, he's like, I see, it's really getting to me, man. The fact that there's like, you know, a couple of, like, this like an inch of aluminum and then nothing for thousands of miles. And in that scene, uh, Cooper goes, he has this line, some of the finest soloist yachtsmen don't know how to swim. And I stopped paying attention to the movie and I started thinking, is that true? <laughs> I was like, this is a ridiculous statement, but that's a terrifying Another notion. great line. <laughs> you yeah. know what it is? I think that goes back to is there's something and I guess this is another like Nolan trick. There's something about understatement by one character trying to like encourage another one. Because I immediately thought of um Michael Caine in the prestige trying to console uh Robert Angiers about his wife drowning and saying, you know, Oh, I uh, I once talked to a sailor who told me that you know who he had drowned and he was he was unconscious you know he was you know clinically dead for several minutes before he was revived. And I asked him what it was like and he says it was like going home, mm-hmm. you know. And then we find out later in that movie that he was lying and he said it was the most painful thing that he ever experienced. Right? Yeah. Like there's something to that I think of the understatement. I would be inclined to believe that that was not true. What he told him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's fair i do it did make me it did make me write the note down not even to bring up on the show but just to like look into that is this a thing (laughs) because that seems ridiculous and very easily rectifiable (laughs) yeah that and that and that line totally caught my attention as well and i i think uh when you think about that line um i think any part of anyone who goes to space has to give up on the what ifs and only focus on what they are in control of mm. because space is such an uncontrollable environment to be in and 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 choose to be in mm-hmm. um and i think that that line goes to show there's something 
in the psyche of these people who go to space and do these incredible things where they are not thinking about what can happen because that will drive you nuts. They are solely thinking about what I will do, the choices I will make, the protocols I know how to follow. And I think that that's why that little that little line, another line that just literally, it could just go away. Mm-hmm. Because the next thing you see is him give him the headphones yeah. and he gives him a little taste of home ah. with those grasshoppers. <laughs> yeah, and you think to yourself, you think to yourself, I am on, I'm in a sterile environment. There's barely, there's barely gravity at times. I'm spinning in a circle, which at times seeing that, seeing that little reference of like what's up and what's down, which is really nothing in space. Mm. I even get a little nauseated watching it. If I'm watching it on a big screen, I got, I'm, I'm not even a lie. <laughs> I, I find it hard to watch. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like oh, when they first you, you fired up the ring, I got so a little quickly. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yep, for sure. Yep, yep. <laughs> but that's uh, just again the writing in this movie is incredible. Like just to you know, I'll try not to say it ten more times, but that's yeah, another that's throwaway line. You, you mean that it? That goes to show. You mean? You yeah. Mean it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really funny. So we're getting uh, we get to the first. Uh, is it the first? The first planet, the water planet, uh, and yes. uh, we the, the whole concept uh, of Miller Miller. Yeah, uh, Miller's planet. The the concept of like the, you know time is gonna move much faster for those back home while they're down there. The whole gravitational thing, great, interesting mm-hmm. concept, um, cool to explore in a movie. Um, done. Uh, uh, there's a little bit. It's done a little bit poorly. I, I thought like every time that I watched it, except for this time. So then the reason being is they explain to you that one hour, seven years, right? Mm-hmm. When they get back, it's been twenty one years. That implies that they were down there for three hours, but Correct. but they're not. Like, like it's very it, it's almost it's like the, it seems like the length of a conversation, and that is just your perception of what's going on. And that's what I was. There was a couple things that I, I was trying to take note of this time around. One was we only are glimpsing into like the conversation that they have when the wave hits. They get stra- they get stuck there for a bit while after like you don't know how long they're actually sitting there. But it would be it would not make for a compelling movie to watch them sit there and and wait for like the engines to be ready to go. So you just have to take that with a grain of salt that time has passed, but you're perceiving it a certain way. And I think that's well. You also have to remember he says to him how long, and he says forty five minutes. How long? What? Oh, 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 how long, yeah, how long for the, yeah, for the engines to, to be ready? He says 45 minutes, yep. so even though, yes, we don't see them sitting there for 45 minutes, we have, we know that it has to be roughly 45 right. minutes. Right, and there's two other hours that aren't accounted for, is really my point, though. Well, you also have to remember the amount of time it took them to, to get land there, to get, yeah, yeah, for sure. And that, but that's what I'm saying, is like, you don't see a lot of that, and it, if you, fir- the first couple of times I watched it, I just thought that it was kind of an oversight. But going back into it this time around, I, I, it's just what they're really willing to, to, to spend time on because there's a lot of movie here. It, it's, I know it's long, but every minute of it counts. So like they can't obviously yeah. ex- like stretch that out any further. So you kind of just have to. And then I do. Then I thought like, oh, it's kind of fun to think of it as like your perception of time because perception of time is a big deal in this movie right so in this moment you like it actually has more gravity that you only see them on the planet for like maybe i don't know 10 minutes at like the whole sequence and then coming out of it being 21 years later or 27 years later however long it is is actually it it has more weight because they made it so quick on screen well there was also something really powerful in just the the shocking like smack you in the face revelation of what happened like, you know, because you're so focused on, oh, God, everything's wrong. 
you know, waves that are, you know, miles high. Someone dies. They barely get off the planet. 23 years passing. And it can be easy, I think, to lose sight of. And I'm glad I caught it in my first, because I don't think I would have necessarily thought about it. Like, what went wrong in their process, right? Because they admitted when they were heading there, oh, it's been three years. His, but the, the thing is told over every time. Like, we haven't heard anything specific from him, but, like, the beacon is working, this and that. And it's like, she says it when, like, right when it's over. It's like, oh, my God, she literally died minutes before we got there. Yep. When you consider Heavy. what passage of time is like, we just missed her. And also, we went there because we were so sure, oh, there's water, it's a temperate planet, there's oxygen. Like, like everything seemed like it could have been okay other than the time dilation thing. And it's like, oh, we were getting, and we were getting back to things, because like, you remember there was some question of like the, like the veracity of the signals they were getting from the other planets, right? And it's like, fuck, how, and, and McConaughey, and I don't remember if it was right in that scene or if it was a little bit later, he just cuts right to the quick of it fuck we're not prepared for this yeah you know what i mean like he's like holy shit yeah like like as much time as they spend thinking about this as much math and science and these brilliant minds it's like and even like they said we know it's gonna every hour seven minutes or seven years like we know the second we get in there it's boom no hello no goodbye no chit chat it's boom grab the stuff go because seven years will be passed like best case you know maybe it'll be 10 years maybe it'll be 12 years Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it takes us a minute to get everything on the ship and everything, right? Like, and it's like, holy shit, the level of that failure yeah. is mind-boggling. And for something, something so simple as, like, rounding error, like, mathematical error, like, reminded me of, we were just talking about this pretty recently with me and my dad. Was it the, um, the Challenger, the one that, that exploded? Mm. In, um, was it in the 80s, I think? Mm-hmm. You know that came down to just a rounding error? That there was a conversion from... I don't remember if it was metric to English or English to metric system. And they were just off by a couple of tenths of a decimal point. You know what I mean? Mm. And the O-rings out... You have to keep the, the liquid fuel super cold to keep it liquid. Right. And before, right before takeoff. And the temperature change expansion of the O-ring, because they were off by just a little bit in the conversion from one system to the other, they were off by this little bit. That whole thing blew up. They, they lost... How many people died? Lost billions of dollars on such a simple little thing. They lost 20 years because they just didn't think of what it really means for the pass- that passage yeah. of time. They knew one hour or seven years. They've heard three years worth of schedule. How long does that mean that person's been on the planet for? That person's been on the planet for 15 right. minutes? They didn't, even, 20 didn't minutes? even cross their mind going into it. Didn't cross their mind, and it's a colossal, ridiculous, epic failure. Mm. And sets them back an entire astronaut. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, how about, how about the delivery of that message to poor Romley, so, who's like Doyle, and Cooper's like, just shakes his head and walks away. Yeah, not, I was like, dude, no bueno. this guy's been alone for 21 years. Just yeah, give him like Cooper's a, a word. Co- <laughs> Cooper's a cold But another thing, like, you know, you it's, it's, it's all perspective. It's all perspective, right? Because like, yeah, we lost him like 90 minutes ago. And he's like, I lost him 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Or you're telling me that I lost him 20 years ago. Right. Like, fuck. <laughs> so this uh, part of the movie 
is number one, my worst fucking nightmare. Um, I've had nightmares where a wave that size is about to swallow me up, and I don't like open water to begin with. Oh, boy. This scene... Oh, this ahead. is the first time you've told me about the the wave dream, but between the your fear fear of whales, and I your do fear have of a, waves. Just in case you guys are wondering, I do have a, a major fear of whales, and I'm not sure if it's because I watched Free Willy at a really really young age <laughs> or not. And that scene when the lightning flashes and he's a, he appears behind the oh, that's uh, aquarium a, that's scene. I'm not sure what it was, scene. but no, that's, I'm, yeah, I'm with but you. but where do you stand on? Uh, I was say, I now understand why you won't come to the beach with us. <laughs> yes, that's exactly why, Al. Just stick with that reason. The waves, the whales, and your incredibly pale skin all adds up to paint. Yes, I'm very, picture. I'm very pale. I'm not tall, dark, and handsome. I'm, I'm short, pale, and ugly. Just in case anyone's wondering. Um. So, <laughs> so this scene, I, I, I have, I have made a note. Um. It's not my favorite scene. I. It's powerful. I think the environment is clever. I think it adds, um, stakes to the movie. It adds a smallness to the characters, which I meant to talk on um, the cinematography. I'm not going to get way into it, but I, a scene that we've already skipped, um, when they're on their way to Saturn or when they're passing Saturn, there's a quick shot where there's a lot of scenes in this movie that are meant to, and very effectively give us the feeling that we are small. Mm-hmm. We are very small. And this world is far bigger than anything we build on our own planet. I mean, you can you can sit up and look at a skyscraper that looks like it's bending over you in New York City and get that uh, feeling. But there's nothing like outside this world. As when you're outside this world, it's a different world. And uh, well, you know, yeah, it's not to be redundant, but <laughs> <laughs> but. When you see, there's a shot when they're passing Saturn where it's legit, even in 4K, it probably takes up two pixels of your screen. And that's the spaceship and this dark black mass with just the little highlight of the ring of Saturn that you can tell that it's Saturn. That scene, that shot is so powerful. And when you're on this planet, you feel that as well because with the size of the waves. But the one thing I will ding this movie and it takes away from this scene Tars getting into his mobile mode and and hauling ass and saving and that's cool. That's not where I'm gonna dig. Go it. go gadget starfish. But, but my note says I, say, I love the pin. My note like <laughs> no 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 no. So Tars is it's fine. My note says Doyle barely tried to live. Yeah. No, he he didn't, <laughs> the dude, he didn't try at all. The dude the dude literally like dude get in the fucking ship. The dude literally says, okay, go, go, go. And if you rewatch the scene, he's like, oh, I got time. Get in the ship. He literally tells Anne. Well, not Anne. What's her name <laughs> in the movie? <laughs> Shit. Anne Hathaway's character. You kept calling character. her that, and I was like, wait. Anne Hathaway's character. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, he literally is like, get in the ship. As if he's being a gentleman and letting a girl into a cab first. Like, yeah. dude, you're about to get crushed by a 750-foot wave. Get in the freaking ship. So as soon as they get in... I lose all my feelings for that guy. I'm like, you know what? He's an idiot. No, <laughs> He's I'm, an idiot. I'm, I'm, I'm with there's, you. There's a few things going on there. And that there's, bothered me. That bothered me. There's his confusion as to how did we get this so wrong? There's the... I would be a little confused if everything, the entire planet looks like water and yet the ground is like eight inches below the water. Everywhere. Because like I, the whole time they were like just casually like running around. I'm like, yeah. someone's going to like slip and fall off into the water, right? I was right? also like, wondering, how does the ship know to put out its landing pads? 
It's water. I, I, I just, I just it's not a pontoon that boat. one as like maybe it can float and it was just the landing gear. Okay. That's that's because well, fu- no, I just assume, future. I assume we'll if you have a ship future. like that, you if you have a ship like that, you can you know probably do advanced like radar, like radar, sure. like, yeah. like scanning of it. A depth like, finder. Oh, there's there, yeah, there's solid ground. You know, twelve inches yeah. below the surface of the water, we're safe here. Well, um, Doyle's an idiot. That's all I have to say. Well, no. So I, at first, I was like, okay, yeah. So like he's lo- like he's looking around. He's so there's a shock and awe, right? Of what the fuck happened here? We're here. There's no ship that's supposed to be here. That we figured like she's been here for three years. She's gonna have a pod set up and this and that. And there's nothing. She's missing. This thing is a wreck under the water. Um, oh god, the mountains are mountains. That's water. Um, which that's got to be quite a revelation, right? And, but you guys are forgetting that the gravity there was 120% of what it is here. So when you said he barely tried to yeah, live, yeah, like, and they set it up before everything went to shit. The two of them are like trudging, like as if they're carrying another person on their oh, back. Which also oh, goes to lend. There's no excuse oh, the barely tried to live thing because he was at the ship for a good three minutes there. before Tars gets there with. <laughs> Dr. Brand. Like, just get on. That, that just get on the ship. I also, will agree with that part of it. Also, Tars is a fucking yoked beast. Because that dude... <laughs> that dude... Should make that the title of a podcast. Yars, Tars, is fucking, a Tars is a yoked beast. He literally hauls... Hauls monolithic robot ass to that ship. <laughs> now, was that scene... Also puppeteered because I would love to see that. <laughs> so actually, yeah. So actually, a portion of it was you. You basically see two men in um, that are going to be digitally erased. They toss the chunk of metal of the ship wreckage into the water that he lifts up and then lets go after he saves her. Oh, cool. And then they do this crazy shot where they took like a double that was probably a third of the size of Tars, and they just spin it on a rotator on like a little ATV vehicle that's been suited up for water travel. And then they take a shot of him just spinning through the water. It's wild. That's awesome. It's incredible. That's all. But uh, this was, it was, this was the first time I also like really, really zoned in on how dumb um, he was Doyle and how he should like, I like where I was like when, uh, that scene as they're as they're flying away, you see him floating in the water. It's like it's meant for you to remember. Like we just lost somebody, feel a little bit bad about it. And I was like, nah, I don't though. I just it's fine. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> no. I think he's the victim of poor editing. Doyle Doyle does not rule in this yeah. <laughs> movie. Oh, Doyle does not rule. I think he's just a victim of poor editing because if they just had him slowly trudging through the water and never make it to the ship, it's just fine. like, oh man, that really sucks. The fact that he makes it to the ship and then just can't physically get into it makes it look way worse yeah. than it is. I think is, it's just poor. Is poor Doyle energy. paying you? <laughs> no, he's dead. <laughs> uh, All right. The, so, so, so that's well, yeah. No, oh, you're fine. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So we get where you know we lose Doyle. Now we're moving on. We get to yes, uh, yes. That we have to make Idiot the hard. Bummer. We have to make the hard call, right? We have to decide between the two planets. The one that is close well before that though is when they get the messages from the past 20 years oh god Ooh, ooh don't skip oh, that oh god we can't take too long but because we're <laughs> no, how long you guys are really wrong it's we're the three hour mark uh the, the, okay. the that scene is, is just you're gonna cut me out completely just anyway. like it's fine him <laughs> uh mcconaughey just like just bought like like the way that he's breaking down in that scene is it's got to get you every time 
Yeah, they had another that's the scene too. I was talking about earlier where they finally, like, they pull the arm away. And it's like, it's up to you if you want to come and meet them and what's going on here. Because if that scene, if that sequence can't get to you, he's watching his two children grow up from preteen teen to they're full-blown adults. One of them is married with kids. One of them died. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is... She can't let go of the pain for 20 years. And for him, it's like, I was just there like, I don't know, a couple months ago. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, fuck, she's, she, the fact that she isn't willing to meet me halfway for 20 years. Like I couldn't, and knowing his own complicity in that, because he couldn't explain it to her well enough because no fault of his own. He's on that planet for 20 years. He can't have sent her any messages in that Mm -hmm. time. You know what I mean? And she probably feels even more abandonment at that point where it's like, it's nice to have the luxury of, hey, dad sent me a message, but fuck him, I'm not going to listen to it. Fuck him, I'm not going to send it back. To now not get those messages, it's one of two things. Wow, he really doesn't care about me, or he's dead. Right. And neither of those outcomes is really great, mm-hmm. right? Ugh, God. Just the, the, the concept of watching those people grow and age through, like like through a glass window and you're just like pounding on the window trying to communicate with them and you can't uh it's it's heartbreaking through, through like eight total that, messages that physic i don't know if this was his choice or it could have been nolan's direction but when so casey affleck i like him i i don't want to get too into the affleck talk again but i feel like we gave them enough <laughs> screen uh, enough audio time <laughs> for what they do but i mean I haven't seen too many, but the few Casey Affleck movies I've seen, he's not the best actor in the world, but I feel like he does, he does him very well, and, and I like him. In this movie, I think it's perfect, because we don't get a lot of time with him. He's supposed to have grown up a little bit disconnected from his father, but yet always kind of looked up to his father a little... Well, he didn't have the harsh break with his father the way Murph did, because he was at that age where, you know, dad, being with my dad all the time is not that cool. I kind of want a car. I want some freedom. And his dad gave him a car. That's all he knows. And his dad's a badass. It's going to save the world. So, you know, for all I know, his character reasoning, that's perfectly fine. But the scene with him, this is where I, for the first time in the movie, I get I get some, like, I'm fighting back some. <laughs> some and yeah, and yes. And, uh, I'm not I'm not a macho guy. I'm not I, but but I don't but I'm not a crier. I don't get like I'm more likely to 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 break down into emotion if I'm angry than if I'm sad. I I don't get emotional. So if a movie makes me feel that, it's got me. And this is the first scene when you know, for as many if a scene has turned into a gif or a meme and it can still make me borderline <laughs> cry. <laughs> it's it's fucking good. Yeah. That's a good scene. And McConaughey's performance mixed with just really soaking this in and thinking, when I'm a father, can I watch my child, like you said, grow up behind a digital screen? Like, it's incredible to watch. And then at the end of the scene, when when, uh, uh, Jessica Chastain's character comes on and says, you know, her little bit. And then just clips out. And he reaches towards the screen and touches that screen for a second. Like, hold on. Like, it doesn't make sense. This dude's an astronaut. Yeah. He's, he's, he's smart. He understands how this works. But he has to physically touch that screen. Like, don't leave. That's powerful. Yeah. And these are the little things that, like, just crush it in this movie. Yeah, for, for so, sure. Her, love that scene. Her love message. It. Her message. Like, the whole thing about, like, 
do you know what like it's my birthday and it's an important yep. year you you yeah. oh it, you know what it was it was actually like a classic it's a classic delivery of like hey you son of a bitch <laughs> i didn't expect that in this in this movie but every really time me and i'll say hi to each other <laughs> pretty much you're going to be killed for money <laughs> oh man all right so we are uh so, so that's where are we the, at where the, are we that's at? the, the, we're rough, moving the through. roughest we're moving scene through. probably in the movie then we go we're going to um to matt damon's planet and uh well you said it sounded like oh. you wanted to talk about the decision oh yeah so we have to make the we have to make the the tough decision of which plant to go go to right man or edmunds and it is it is it's what i love about it is it's a difficult conversation to have with the data they had they made the right choice it's just the wrong one and that's because what they get they touch on the whole point of like uh uh, what Doctor Brand let, let, is let's, trying. Let's, let's allow let's allow Ronald McDonald from Always Sunny to take this one. <laughs> Science is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what's funny about it though? What's actually really interesting and it, it holds a lot more weight later on is Doctor Brand is making this uh this statement about love and this feeling and it means something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean nothing, but I it's not what we consider that. science, right? But Later on, you find out that it is it do, it it is relevant in that way, and it should have factored into quantifiable. Yeah, and like that that is so. In that moment, you understand the decision; it's the logical thing to do, and you are understanding it with our current space and time as human beings in this world right now in this year. It makes sense. Like, yeah, they made the right decision, and then thinking about how they evolve within the movie to realize, or at least Cooper has to, to realize that it meant a little, it actually would have meant a little bit more, especially when he's able to leverage that, those emotions to communicate through time and space later on. It's, it's, it's big. There's a lot to unpack in that one sequence. Also, um, imagine, imagine saying Christopher Nolan is a cold, emotionless son of a bitch. (laughs) In which the movie... Shots fired. Its climax is about love saving <laughs> the entire human race. Okay, okay. I will imagine get, saying that. You you have points. You have points here. Did anyone see this movie? Who has but, <laughs> but this is what makes this movie stand out among the Nolan filmology. filmology. I. Filmology, it's a new word. He's an expert in maniology. Quarantine, quarantine. (laughs) Listen, there's no rules. This is the final frontier, boys. We're on quarantine right now. For all you know, these words do exist. But like this um, is why I feel this movie is strong because if you watch a director's movies and you get an idea for the tone and the and the tendencies of that director if they derive from that and hit you harder in certain parts of the way they do something it stands out to you more that's why i would give this movie nine out of ten because in these moments when we're talking about um the subject of love transcending death i mean that's a it's a little cheesy but not in the way this movie does it I mean, the way that Anne Hathaway says it, she just kind of breaks it down and she asks the question, you know, uh, we love people after they die. Mm-hmm. H- how many emotions do you feel towards someone after they're dead? I mean, love is the number one emotion. 
Most people, why do people kill people? Because they hate them. And why do they kill them? Because they want them dead. After they're dead, they don't hate them anymore. They feel, I'm above you. I killed you. Well, if that's a certain logic you have, if you're willing to go that route. But when it comes to love, to love someone after they're dead, I mean, that is another part of this movie where following that Matthew McConaughey scene of seeing him literally in like real time watch the time lapse of his children's life it just added so much more like levity levity to this scene and i was really just like that is so true like nolan is making these giant statements in the subtlest of ways that scene's not even anything epic the 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 setting is not epic it's literally anne hathaway with her legs crossed talking in like the most surgical way but she's saying these things that make you think Mm. and like I don't see that in all of Nolan's movies. I, I get the brain matter. I don't get the heart matter. I'm not feeling it in my heart. This movie makes me feel it in my heart. And that's what that and, and that's just another another part that really does it. Like Yeah. Crazy. No, that's the well well said. Uh so you know, again they make the, they decide to make this decision based off of their current logic and how they What well, hang on one second. While we're on that topic specifically about the decision. Mm. So they set up that earlier, right? When he's he wants to know about the scientists, he wants to know about the planets, and he asks Brand, "Oh, Doctor Man, he's the best of us. You know, what I mean, he's the one why we're all out here." Doctor, who was on the first planet? The one who died in the the wave? I forgot. Um, um, Miller. Okay, yeah, Doctor Miller. Doctor Miller. Yeah, blah blah blah. Doctor Edmonds. He's good. And so he immediately knows there's something right. up there. And so then he asks TARS, and I think that's when TARS mentions the discretion yep. setting. Uh, and the, maybe the trust setting, to honestly. Yeah, setting. is that 90%? The, the, the discretion I setting. also have a discretion yeah. setting. <laughs> yeah, which is a hint, but a pretty vague one, especially when you're talking about the nuance of human emotion through the lens of an analytical science machine. Mm. Um, so for him in that moment to not... When he's when they're going to have the vote, and he's telling like Romilly, before we vote, let's talk about this Edmonds thing. He doesn't say, Brand, can we discuss? He says, Brand, tell him. As if he has 100% <laughs> fact behind him that she's... Like, desperately, madly, and like, it's not like she's been raving for the last 20 years on the spaceship. Dr. Edmonds, this, Dr. Edmonds, that. Mm-hmm. Dr. You know what I mean? Like, two very brief, very vague conversations, and he just knows well, for a fact I, she's. Well, I think there's a little bit more to that in he's, uh, it's a, it is a, it's an accusation, but he's also, he's mad at her in that scene. Sure, rightfully so, because she did result in Right, the, so I think, I think he was trying to dig and. Yes, yeah, so I'm just. It was just odd the tact that he mm-hmm. chose in that moment. Like you're right, there was. He's letting his rage at her for wasting twenty years, for wasting Doyle's life, and then not even getting. You might say he's raging against the dying of the light. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that, so I want. So yes, there is something to nah. the that rage like boiling over for sure. But I just found it odd that nice he had this absolute certitude yeah. that. They were in love, not just a strong suspicion. It was just, it just came out a little odd. I mean, the like, sum total would have been the same thing. It just, it affects the the 
the image of that scene. Yeah, you know, oh, that's fair. Where it's presented as fact as opposed to accusation. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't want to go, I don't, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, the poem that is used throughout this movie, I think it's used a little too much. Uh, however, <laughs> however, it is the the words once again writing wise i know that he did not write this poem uh it was written by uh, a poet named dylan thomas and it was published in 1951 written in 1947 i think but just those first three lines do not go gentle into the good night old age should burn and rave at close of day rage rage against the dying of the light and we hear it multiple times and on the soundtrack i'd highly recommend anyone listen to the final track on that soundtrack because it is the actors themselves um reading all um i think it's i don't know maybe six six verses of the poem but those words alone and i don't know personally if it's just because of the movie's tone itself and how much i i like what it's what it's saying but you know thinking about those words this movie deals with life and death um and this this movie deals with time and that poem i don't know how he came across it i don't know how it got tied into this movie i just think it's well, extremely that's a powerful. famous that's a very famous poem that's been yeah, used I just in don't, a lot of different yeah i just don't know i don't know exactly what led nolan to making that i mean it's literally said by like it's said more than 3 times probably that initial portion or at least three times in the movie i think it was a little over well it was but. it was the way that that professor brand signed off his messages to all of them but specifically to his yeah. daughter at least once a year or whatever and because man was a disciple of of professor brand you know he, he brings it up as well yeah um it 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 is used whenever someone is going to such extremes that it may result in their death or when you're commenting on someone who put up a fight and maybe doesn't make it or whatever right and in this case you yeah. know in the multiple levels of them going where no man has gone before right or golding going boldly where no man has gone before and in addition to that they are literally raging against the dying of humanity mm-hmm. right you know again this is another thing that works on multiple different levels yeah yeah for sure um no, yeah, I just wanted to touch on the poem a little bit because I didn't know when it would come up, but it, I, I do, I will, I will give it a little tick on the, uh, okay, easy, because it's definitely used a little <laughs> too much, especially Michael Caine. I, I actually kind of liked it. Oh, maybe you don't need to read the whole several like lines or whatever at every time, but um, I actually kind of liked that repetition. I thought that it kind of cuts to, like I said, since it works on multiple different levels, I, I think that it works as like a motif of this like throughout this movie you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah sure so so now we're on uh matt damon, matt damon. uh <laughs> which is all i could think of as he came out of that such, ziploc such a, bag such a little turd in this movie he is uh, it's just really <laughs> so it really grinds yeah, my gears go from there <laughs> And I also wrote, I also wrote weird Martian similarity to be in two movies like this. Kind of makes me. I completely feel forgot weird. This. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You get you cross some wires when you think about scenes from the two different movies, for sure. Yeah, talking talking about I almost ran out of supplies <laughs> and wasn't almost wasn't able to survive here. Yeah, it's just interesting. <laughs> um, some someone someone's helmet cracked. Oh my god! Breathe. That that scene. Yeah. No, no. I was like, stop it. 
damn it! <laughs> yeah, just by putting. Not only like that, as he's as he's going, I'm like, wouldn't you maybe pull your head yeah, away? Yeah. Because he hits him a good eight times before yeah. it cracks. No, it's a good question. It's a good question. There's not a good answer to it, though. Unfortunately, <laughs> the oh, the answer, the answer. It's important, is, que- no. it's important conversation. You, would, never you wouldn't, because we need to crack your helmet for the sake of the plot. <laughs> but uh, that you know, really, uh, I, I've hated Matt Damon um, on purpose, right? Like he makes you hate him in certain things. <laughs> On, like it's not just like I like I like Matt Damon. Best description I, of hate I've ever heard. You know, I've hated him because he made me hate him uh, multiple times. But this one, <laughs> wait, wait a minute, is this Jimmy Kimmel? Are we talking no, about Jimmy Kimmel? In, in this particular one, though, when he's got Coop so, on the ground with like gasping for air, and he's like, "Yeah, uh, man, this su- that sucks. That sucks." You see your kids? Ah, I can't even look at you. Ah, like I'm just like ah, like I, I want to break his face in that scene so bad. <laughs> what a weird like, what a weird like his whole plan and thought process. I thought I was gonna come out here and watch you die, but I don't think I can now. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking Someone's about, a man? Nuts. Like if you're gonna go kill someone, fine. Like, what sort of psychopath are you? It's like, there's a there's a big difference between I believe that I need to kill you for the sake of humanity and I'm gonna watch you die, man. Like, there's a big gap between those two things. <laughs> well, we don't. We don't it, it's funny. It's it's fairly quick. The the time that we, as far as pacing goes, like we're we're not on that planet for too long. But so much happens in that in that span of time from yeah. waking him up. This is gone. My least. This is my least. Just in like this is my least favorite part of the movie. This this section is the weakest part. I I, I agree that it's it. I'm with you on that. Though I will say it leads to probably my favorite scene in the movie, which is when he poorly docks to the space station and we have him talking and mid-sentence gets ripped out and then they cut all sound in the movie. When you like you have to use it sparingly, but when you use that effect just right, oh, it's good. <laughs> it's like that scene. It's like the scene in the Last yeah. Jedi, right? When, I think when we could have used the Wilhelm yep. We could have used the Wilhelm And Wilhelm's it just like screen. totally shuts off, and then like you know the yeah. and it's like holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, it's powerful it's for sure. The uh, I, well, another just a, another thing to just kind of like tick on the a pro to this movie. And if you haven't seen it, a high recommend is just the sound design to this movie is bar none. It, it is it's incredible and soundtrack aside because most Nolan movies have a pretty good soundtrack i mean you were talking about hans zimmer a majority (laughs) um the sound design is amazing and that like you said like that that whole that dramatic just cut you're done it's like it not only adds the drama to space because that is space um but it adds drama to the scenes where you're being kind of like things are hitting a crescendo and then just dropping out, yeah. and you're, and it's kind of following the emotion of of the particular scene. Uh, it's it's, an, it's intense. I think uh, it's sound and visuals are two things that it definitely was up for um, for an Academy Award. I don't know if it. I think it might have won one of them. I'm not sure which one though. Uh, but I don't remember. It does. It's it's intense. God, just that the friggin' soundtrack <laughs> of this movie. Ugh. Incredible. Ugh. Well, that's that's really the only scene too. Like, there's a couple of scenes where it's like, oh, this is like the stuff going on here. But that's really the one scene where they're trying to dock w- by matching the spinning, you know, of the thing, and then you know, it's a hope and a prayer. No one should have ever, ever, ever tried to mm-hmm. do that, right? But what choice do they really have? 
that's the one scene where it's like really you know your heart starts to beat out of your chest it's like the music like you know picking up speed picking up speed picking up speed crescendos and it's like and then they just sit there and linger yep. on it for another second or two where it's like going on like it's not like you know crescendo success <laughs> and yeah. uh, <laughs> now <laughs> yep. and the uh, and the- I actually I felt like that was kind of like a practice run for some of the stuff that happened in mm. Dunkirk. You know what I mean? Where like you build up and it's like, you know, like they keep ratcheting it up, ratcheting it up. And actually was it, I think it might've been when they were on the, the, the water planet where time, where they were so worried about the passage of time, they actually started playing around with the heartbeat sound too, or the, the, the clock ticking sound similar to like in mm-hmm. Dunkirk as well, because time was literally of the essence there. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, Time is constantly throughout this movie um, between the score and even just the physical appearance of certain uh, like uh, not props, but certain set pieces like from the outside. The um, the the space station is actually it's literally like a clock face. It's literally like a watch face. If you look at it, it's got it's got markers on it and it's also got a portion. They have the logo patched on their suits. It's literally has like, it's like pointing. I don't know if the time's significant, but it's got a long arm. Like one of the hallways on the space station goes directly from center out to the side of the space station. Oh, that's funny. So it's like, so when you're thinking about it, like you're watching these scenes, another thing, just another thing to add to the pile of stuff to catch on a sixth viewing. Yeah. Um, when they're spinning, trying to dock, think about it. Time is of the essence, but it's flying by. The faster the dial rotates, the the more is at stake. And that's just another God, little that, blip of Nolan. Just that scene of it of the ship spinning and the the pod yep. spinning, and then when they when they line up and like the abruptness of them being in line, and basically they stop it and they the background yep. spins instead. Like yeah. That that messes with my yeah. head every time. It's so good. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great effect. Yeah, uh, man. So from there on, we're 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 going spelunking so, black holes. Okay, right? so now we're at the event, <laughs> we're at Event Horizon. <laughs> yes, not to be confused with the garbage movie that we watched last week. <laughs> so yeah, so Cooper so Cooper Cooper pulls a rogue move and splits off um from uh the character i've been calling Anne by her first real name <laughs> dr brand um, <laughs> first time i saw this scene i was utterly mind blown mm. between the visual effects and just putting myself in cooper's place this struck big time and paid off big time i love the way that he's he's talking himself through it like almost like he's like leaving a recording, but I really feel like it's just for his own sanity. The way that he's like he like yeah. he's just recording everything that's happening around him. Instruments are not working anymore. It's black. It's all black. And then that that sound of him breathing, but the like reverberation, yes. like the, uh, I was like, oh god, yes. <laughs> incredible. I also like, wonder if there's incredible. something to him narrating it out loud. If that had to do with him. You know, like you said, it's kind of a sanity check, but it's also, you know, he's still in contact with TARS there, so I wonder if it's one of those things where it's like, hey, buddy, you want to, like, check my work? Like, does this make sense? Or should I not do this? Right. Well, when the thing says eject, I'm like, no. Like, I mean, I, I, I know, I know, like, all bets are off at this point, but that seems way more dangerous than being in here. <laughs> 
Well, I figured he was going to go into the black hole, right? But when, when they set up the whole plan, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to eject TARS. And she's like, you can't do that. And he's like, I mean, like, for many reasons, we don't have a choice. But the audacity for them to him to follow it up and be like, and also... Oh, oh no. Yeah, he's like, see I, on the flip I, side, buddy. She's like, what? There and he ejects out of his ship. His body. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's the one that I was like, Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. No, so, and and the way that they shoot, like the, the cinematography. I mean, we really haven't talked, touched on it too much, um, but the cinematography. Once again, the choices that he makes are so powerful. Like you could have shown this in a variety of ways. You could have shown him leaving. Like we could have had a cockpit view of him being ejected and turning into a dot, which would give us a feeling of like, oh my God, like safe place, not safe Mm -hmm. place. You know what I mean? Like uh, safe and close, small and distant. But he chooses to stay with Cooper. He chooses to put a GoPro on the side (laughs) of Cooper's helmet and be looking down at his fucking feet like we all would. Mm-hmm. And he shows that. Like, as he enters the, the event horizon, have we ever seen <laughs> anything in film like this? <laughs> have we Probably ever not. seen a person fall into an event horizon, <laughs> the space of which gravity and light cannot escape? This is so good. This is crazy. This is crazy. I, like, it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's really, it's so, it's so beautifully done. And then, and then, then landing in and the tesseract. <laughs> the tesseract. Yeah, when they said that, I was like, huh, that's right, that is a real term, but also... Yeah. <laughs> well, what, if, what if Red Skull was just in there to guide him through it? <laughs> so much to unpack in this, in this little... in this. Uh, well, I will say, this was given, quote-unquote, the creepiest line in movie history... All of this in one little girl's bedroom. <laughs> I was just like, out of context. Oof. Yes, it's terrifying. <laughs> couldn't have wrote that. Couldn't have wrote that any better. <laughs> oh man! But I actually think that was a really the speaking through that scene again because he's still talking. It it almost seems like keeping himself sane until obviously he starts to hear Tarz's voice, which is like, thank God, it's like, oh my God, something else. I'm not fully alone yet, so that's that's helpful. But like. When he's in there, that explanation of what it is that he's seeing, like another dimension in three-dimensional space, just to represent it in a way that we can comprehend, that co- that the whole concept is is it's brilliant. Just to be able to like, we don't know how to do this on film, but like, how, like just to just to try is actually like something really special. I think that he, it was it's just such a beautiful scene. Yeah, and like, I thought there was. Uh, the one thing I was a little confused about in that whole thing was, you know, they kept saying, I thought it was a little weird earlier on. Um, the, again, the certainty with which Cooper says, a wormhole is not naturally occurring, so I'm going to have to leave it there. And I was like, that's quite a logical leap. Um, like, if we want to establish that as the canon of the universe within that particular movie, fine. It's just a weird way to deliver that message then. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then when he's in the black hole he keeps going back and forth between or him and Tars keep going back and forth between they left it for us mm-hmm. no one left it for us we figured it out ourselves mm-hmm. it was like you know and then we're gonna you know the, eventually we'll you know we'll know what's going on or we'll we'll have the ability to do or whatever and it's like okay they're closing it now and I was like well, which one is it? Is it they or is it you? I'm getting a little bit lost on that now. Uh, okay, so yeah, well, that, that whole thing was like it's 
it's the they that we've been discussing so far has been like it, it's the human it's the human race is at some point in the future that's what it that's is. what i that's what i settled on at the end of yeah. it all, but it's just the way that he because he went it felt like he flip-flopped like three times in like a four minute span yeah well it was just the i, I yeah i agree it's a little bit clunky in that sense but that's that's what it is because it, it's still it's too hard to understand which i actually think is the point of it being actually clunky the way that it is it's like saying they saying it was us back and forth it's us at some point in the future whether that's like the us as in he himself in the future like having learned how to do this but the, what the the only the, my only real issue actually comes from all of this stuff and that's the whole like time manipulation thing right like when you create like and and time loops and all that stuff like how did you get here the first time to actually go back to do the thing that you did to to get you here now well i actually thought that this one did a pretty good job of all of that because they're not going when you create the unbreakable loop or whatever mm-hmm. it's like it's a recursive it's the second time around this movie that, that comes up, right? Because she says it too, right? It's a recursive loop that we're running into. Mm. It's a recursive loop, so it closes itself off each time it restarts. And that's the problem with so many time travel movies is if you hold it as you can change the past, then the whole future changes and does that leave you... Like that old butterfly effect thing right. causes too many problems. But this, it's a constant recursive, like self-closing loop. So I'm okay with that sort of thing because it makes... Even though we're doing a thing that's beyond our ability to like verify exists, it fits with the way we perceive the model that it wouldn't be able to break with if we had the technology to do it. You know what I mean? Well... Like, it's... I don't know. That, well, the, but the, the how do you do it the first time? Well, the whole point is it's a constant persistent loop of you've gone on to a point where someone in the future has created the wormhole that you're then able to go through and do this thing with that like they said at that point in the future time is not linear own yeah it's not yeah that that's that's the only way i'm able to wrap my head around it that we, we will achieve a level of transcendence that allows for us to traverse time in the same way that we traverse the X, Y, and Z axis. That it's another mm-hmm. dimension that, given the proper technology and understanding for, you can travel just as easily as you would go forward, left, right, or up. You know what I right, mean? Right, right, right. Yeah, I guess that, yeah. If you if you take that, if you allow that to be the case, you, you accept that as the rule, then yeah, it works. Um, yes to and to a very degree there's also there, there's also the piece of like you can't fully grasp it because it is an out there theory right and like you can't fully understand it but they're giving you enough to be like this is this is what we're saying is the case yes they're not leaving it as open-ended which is nice um god that that w- w- one other thing that was that's a little strange um Love the idea of him encoding the second hand of the watch. I think it's like really fun. Like the right, like Tars feeding him the data in Morse, and he's tapping the the line. The what I don't fully get is why the watch would keep doing that in that order. So the way that I read it, which I thought was pretty cool, 
was they made a point of showing multiple shots of multiple days of multiple times of Murph's life Mm -hmm. where uh, he does say that line, which, yes, I will take credit. I put it in a creepy light because it did, out of context, sound that way. But the whole thing is, I you know, when he says this, all of this, uh, you know, all of this in one little girl's bedroom, it's you know not creepy. It's not meant to be creepy, but it's it's saying uh, that all of us are important, and this little girl's life and her connection with her father and the pain she went through losing him is just as important as anyone else's pain, and they understand that. And to take like the innocence of a child and take that box. You know, we're in, we're in a tesseract. It's a box. Mm-hmm. The the box that this little girl is in in her room is where sometimes you know at that age for all of us we've all gone through the most raw emotions in a box mm-hmm. in our room when we're in that age where that's how we feel. Like you know what I mean. So when he's looking at her, they did a smart job of showing multiple. It almost seems like it's multiple days of her, um, in in her room doing things. So you don't know how long that goes. Sure. He he's he's he he actually does. There's multiple shots of him turning around and kind of using his thrusters to get to different portions in this tesseract. Mm-hmm. So it's almost as if it's almost as if every single corridor of this tesseract is a moment or a day or a year in Murph's life. Right. And so the the only way, and I don't know if this is how they intended it, but the way that I justified it for myself in in being so invested in this movie and just being down for whatever, I was like, you know what. He could have. I thought it was cool how him manipulating the hand when he was closest to it on the desk with uh, with the sand or whatever light or however he was doing it. Um, he could also be at multiple moments in the tesseract that are continuing to move the hand no matter where she is. Oh, okay, and so I like going sh- to you know, like we are only seeing it from the perspective of the bedroom, but maybe going somewhere else wherever she was looking yes. at the watch. That's he, where he is doing. Yeah. Okay, that actually yeah, like okay. he's moving throughout, moving it around on the watch hand. That's kind of how I took. All it. my grips are gone. That that fixes it for <laughs> me. I'm, I'm okay. I could I can accept that. That works for me. I am now happy. My two questions are answered. <laughs> oh, oh! One of the other cool things is the idea that uh, we didn't really mention it earlier on, but they mentioned the first time that they're in, um, they go into the NASA and Coop's meeting all these people. Uh, they mentioned that the first anomalies that they started recognizing, these first gravitational anomalies, were fifty years ago. So I'm kind of curious, like that's there's more of an interesting mm. story in there, right? Of like how much how much communication has been going on in this fashion, and what other like. This is not just a an isolated incident. Like it's been this, it's we've been using this method of communication for a long period of time. It seems like, which is kind of cool. Or, yeah, or, and are we also supposed to assume that uh, he, Matthew McConaughey has a passing line that something interfered with his uh, his shoe or his um, flight yeah. path in his ship? Was he did he have to start a change a chain of events that would lead him to where he yeah, is? I don't know. But that, but like they said, they we they did know. they did mention we that that know. was one of the anomalies that like what he that he already experienced one and that was it. So yeah, like the point of like yeah. was that yeah. <laughs> was that part of this whole grand plan of moving him like moving this chess piece into position <laughs> to get this done? Yeah, hundred percent. Pretty crazy. Uh, movie's tremendous. Boy. I've got nothing else to say other than this movie yeah. is just beautiful. That, that leads us to the end of that. Really, I mean. Do we do a do we do a do we do an individual little wrap up here? If, you, if, you, you, if you've got something, this? go for it. Oh no! I mean, I I love the movie. I think that I think it's stood up visually. 
Um, I think it's some of the greatest um, writing that's been done in a Nolan film as far as just like pen to paper, quote unquote, this character said this and said said volumes within a sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would highly recommend it to anyone um, if, you, if you haven't already seen it. I also think that um, everyone jokes about the reconnaissance. Um, I don't like to use that term, but I think he's great. Um, I think he's great in this movie. And uh, like I said, nine out of ten, I'm I'm in it, man. I'd watch this movie four more times, no problem. <laughs> I, I would like to revisit the movie again, but I want to give it like a substantial, like a year or something like that, and then come back to it and see, you know, how it all feels once I know where everything's going, and I can really like get down to the nitty gritty. Watch it as a group, and you can pick it apart as we watch it. It'll be fun. <laughs> we'll really, we'll really dive deep. Um, the only thing that I'll say in closing is that we didn't really talk about the, like the final scenes of the movie, but they're not super, they're they're decent. They're not super compelling, but I actually think it's, it's really great the way that it's done because the, the crescendo of the whole, of the Tesseract collapsing and then like where it goes after that is really just like the cool down of this ridiculous workout that you've done. Uh, (laughs) And like, and you really just need it so that you can get up afterwards (laughs) because you you want to talk about. So, so you want to talk about some of the things that you could have done? Like we talked about, the, oh, the movie's a little long. Like whatever, the stuff. Honestly, the stuff with Murph and Tom as adults ended up becoming like a drag, kind of on what was going on. Mm. Like ultimately, I liked where it went with her burning down like the the crop or whatever to like get his attention to get them the hell out of there because it's what needed to be done. But the whole thing with why was Topher Grace in this movie? <laughs> Just, Power just to yell just at, uh, at Murph's sister-in-law. Yeah, and then... That was a very like, awkward scene. He got, scene. <laughs> he got his out. ass kicked by, by Casey Affleck, and, like... And then all Who of a sudden, like, the two of them are, like, making out, like, after everything, like, went well. And it's like, when, have we, when did we establish that they're that sort of friend, like... After the Eureka scene, where she throws the papers, which was actually kind of fun. Yeah, well, sure, but then, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's just a lot going on with that whole situation. Like, that could have been just a random-ass, no-name actor. You, Why was Topher oh, Grace... if you need to trim... I don't trim, know that character's name. If you need to trim any fat, you... I mean, I liked Topher Grace, but if you were to cut his entire role and all the scenes around it, you probably wouldn't have lost anything. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, if you want to talk about where you could have, like, tightened this movie a little bit. Like, we talked a little bit about, like, the chase earlier on. Yeah. This, that, that whole thing, like, a, like the, the some of the very core part of... The whole thing with Tom getting stuck and them needing to burn down the farm to get him out of there. Like, you could keep that, but there was a lot of, like, the whole point of setting up that she has to meet Topher Grace and that he has to come and, like, evaluate. And then we don't even know what the fuck is, that they're, like, what is wrong with the people that are in that farm? Like, we don't even know what the hell that is. So if you're not going to tell us what's going on, then Mm -hmm. that's all a bit extraneous. Yeah. No. (laughs) I hear you. Well, we've rambled on at length about this phenomenal film um i could probably talk about it for a few more hours but we're gonna stop here that's all for this week's <laughs> episode of flicks in the six we hope you enjoyed it as always if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss you can send those requests to flicks in a six at spoontune.com or tweet us at the spoontune until next week i'm anthony costanzo i'm al bielsi i'm caleb cromer and i'm not a robot i promise thanks for coming out <laughs> <laughs>